does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Brian No in for Jake. Jimmy Cook here on the fan. I'll tell you what. Just a peek behind the radio curtain. We typically snack during shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember uh, Dane Fife, my guy, who during segments would be eating cashews. You know what I mean? Like full, like a squirrel with like cheeks full. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man. One of these uh, foods that's not good, cold, oatmeal. Yeah, I thought I was running a, a little late. A little late, Jimmy. Oatmeal, and I've got like a good, I don't know, five more um, <laughs> bites here. I'm just going to stare at it for the next uh, handful of minutes, and it is what it is. You know, you got to plan accordingly, or else you have cold oatmeal. We all have our crosses to bear, right? You know, and sometimes <laughs> it's 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 oatmeal in between segments. It's it's just got to bite one, bite the bullet sometimes with that cold oatmeal. I thought I heard a bull. I was like, all right, we're either going cereal, soggy cereal, or we're going a, a cold dish that was hot when you initially had it. There you go. Yeah. Hey, the guest list is hot, though. How about this? We've got Stefania Bell, ESPN's injury expert. She's at 1230. Aaron Torres. From Fox Sports Radio, does podcasts, all that good stuff at 1 o'clock. KB, Kevin Bowen at 2 o'clock from the wake-up call. So we'll have some fun with that. You know what? I started off with nothing but positivity yesterday. It was my mom's birthday, and so we started on the right foot. I, I I don't have positivity for you today. I've just got a big old bowl of truth for you, Jimmy, and for everybody listening here. Here's what I'm thinking. Is it cold? Kind of like uh, the oatmeal? It's cold hard truth is what I'm thinking right here. And uh, so last night's game, Jacksonville, they beat the Saints. That was one of your picks at the end of the show. It was a wild game, but what stood out most to me was Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence had this knee issue. He got hurt toward the end of the game last week against the Colts. And so his status was questionable. It was like, is he going to play? Is he not? He played, and he played really, really well. And then at the end of the game, they said, he hasn't missed a single start since being drafted in 2021. I just started thinking about that. Hasn't missed one start since he was <laughs> drafted. And think about this. We're talking about now, he's got 41 starts in his NFL career. 40 hasn't missed a game. And so I just started thinking about that. And he ran the ball multiple times last night, Jimmy. But what you didn't see him do was take big hits. He slid. He got out of bounds. He avoided that additional punishment. And so if you compare Trevor Lawrence to Anthony Richardson, it's just staring you right in the freaking face. I go back to a quote from Jim Ursay. He just recently said this during the week. He said, we saw what we have in the future there with the playing time 
he had in there. He's talking about Anthony Richardson, obviously. So it's frustrating talking about the injury, but it's like John Landau said about Bruce Springsteen back in 1974. I've seen the future of rock and roll, and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Well, I've seen the future of the NFL, and his name is Anthony Richardson, and I believe it. Here's the big old bowl of cold oatmeal. Jim Irsay is wrong. The truth, you're not going to like it. The future is not Anthony Richardson. It's Trevor Lawrence. The future isn't Lamar Jackson. It's Tua Tungavailoa. It's quarterbacks that can move. Trevor Lawrence can move. But they're not taking those huge punishing hits. They're getting down. They're sliding. They're getting out of bounds. They're living to fight another day. And that's what matters most. Lamar is electric. Anthony Richardson is electric. And they're both in the cold tub far too often or their leg elevated because we got to go rice over here, right? You got to rest, elevation, all that stuff. Like, you got to be on the field. You got to be upright. And Lamar and... And uh, Anthony Richardson, early in his career, they're not those guys. You got to be able to fight another day. It feels like, in Lamar's case, and and to be honest, I don't want to spend too much time on him because it quite frankly, he he matters in the comparisons you're drawing because they have similar play styles, but he doesn't matter in the market, right? So I'd rather focus on Anthony Richardson more than Lamar. But I will say, in the opportunities that I had to watch him this year, I mean, yes, he's still carrying the ball at a high rate, but like it it's working for him this year. The results fully haven't been there for the Ravens, but like we're not talking about in 2023 for him, oh, this is a season where like he's being super reckless and like it, he's marred by injury. Has that been the story of his career? Yeah, look at the last two seasons alone and you'll find that answer. So I don't disagree with you. And in fact, I mentioned the quote that Jim Irsay dropped. I paraphrased it yesterday when you were wondering, like, I don't see it. I don't see what Jim Irsay sees. I don't see how fans can look at what he's done to this point and think definitively that's a franchise quarterback. And I told you yesterday, I'm not in that camp. I don't think we've seen enough to say that, but I do think we have seen enough to want to see more, which is they're two totally different things, right? One is declaring you got the quarterback right. No doubt about it. He's going to lead us to playoff and Super Bowl contention for the next 10 or 15 years. That's what a Colts fan would say. If you're in that boat, I'm in the more, I guess, reasonable boat of I'm not sold one way or the other that he's not going to pan out, that he's going to be injury riddled or that he's going to be this successful next hang ring of honor statue outside Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, I'm not that way. I'm in the middle of I want to see more. But Brian, where I want to see him really evolve and Lamar hasn't really done that this year. And he definitely hasn't done it over the body of work of his career. But I agree with you. The modern-day quarterback is one that is dual threat, that can challenge you both with his legs and his arm, but he's doing it in a way where he is not bailing on clean pockets or it's heavy-designed runs. It is, oh, there's nothing open downfield? Well, you left the A-gap wide open for me. I'm going to go get 20 yards. That's the modern-day quarterback that can still threaten you but that has high level competence and movement in the pocket where you're always on your toes that that's the modern day quarterback and yes Trevor Lawrence is trending like he's going to be in that next chapter well that's the thing man it's um do you get down when you run and what are the type of plays when you're running you know like you mentioned uh think about Patrick Mahomes where the third and forever 
comes to mind right. against the Jets. Yeah, right. Where he just runs straight up the middle, and it's like, oh, okay, they're playing man-to-man defense, and well, he could just run around or, or think about him sliding before the goal line, <laughs> and not taking the touchdown. Like he's not getting contacted because they're playing man. So. That's part of it. You contrast that with Anthony Richardson and the play he got hurt on. That's a designed run. Correct. You know, I remember Cam Newton. They would design runs. I'm not even joking. This sounds like a joke. He would be running between the tackles sometimes on designed <laughs> runs. It's like, what are we doing out here? So, yeah, it does matter what the plays are. Is this just scramble mode like mostly Trevor Lawrence last night? That's all it was was scramble mode. He had one long run, and he ran out of bounds. Trevor Lawrence has 41 rushes this year. Anthony Richardson had 25. So even if A. Rich was healthy all season, they're about in the same ballpark there in terms of overall rushes. But are you getting down and avoiding punishment? That's the thing that stands out is watching Trevor Lawrence last night and I couldn't help but get have these visions of Anthony Richardson when he took those hits. Like, when's the last time you saw Trevor Lawrence rush and a defender just land on top of him the way Harold Landry right. did? Or when's the last time you saw Trevor Lawrence run for a touchdown like A. Rich did against Washington and then hit the back of his head on the ground as he got tackled? You know what I mean? Like, you just don't see that. And so that absolutely matters. I'm just talking stylistically. And look, I know Tua's been banged up quite a bit, but you look at how his style has changed. He's a lot more judicious with his running. He's only had 14 rushes for 21 yards. He's more of a throwing quarterback, and he's gotten rid of the ball sooner instead of taking those shots because he still is a bit undersized in comparison. He's not Anthony Richardson or Trevor Lawrence. It's just... You've got to think long-term as a quarterback. I know these guys are insanely competitive. They want to get every blade of grass. They want to win every game. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. But if you get so consumed with that and you're blinded and you put that in front of, hey, i got to make sure I'm healthy, (laughs) that's when it's a problem. But it's not just on the quarterback in this scenario, I would argue. It's also on the scheme and the play calling, right? Because there's a difference between – consciously making a, a decision to go scramble and like go run and then like you're taking unnecessary punishment because you're not sliding whatever the case may be give me an example and we can paint the picture for the audience versus a clear designed run where he is the primary ball carrier like I think it's also schematically too yes Anthony Richardson has stuff that he needs to clean up as well but if you're the Colts you need to evaluate, I would think, this offseason and where you go moving forward of how often, and we mentioned this yesterday, situationally, where are you on the field where you want to put him in those type of situations? Because if you're doing them, like I said, inside the 30 or in the red zone, I'm totally fine with it. But if you're doing it constantly, right, other side of midfield, in theory, like anything, the more that you punish something, the higher the chance an injury is going to happen. So again, like I said yesterday, I'm not blaming the staff, but just like Anthony Richardson has to make adjustments, I would think so too does the scheme and the play calling need to adjust a bit so that maybe it's more situational for designed runs and you're letting him truly develop as a pocket passer because you know he has the ability to both stand in the pocket and make good throws while also throwing on the run. 
but you know about the athleticism. You want the pocket passing to be fine-tuned. That's where I would try to make a point of emphasis next year with him because he's still very young. Yeah, that's the scary thing is you look at the division and you look at both Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. Like, compare them stylistically to Anthony Richardson. And look, C.J. Stroud has 18 rushes for 55 yards. He's not a major threat with his legs, but he can move around. He can extend plays. He's got some mobility, you know, but he's not taking those huge shots the way Anthony Richardson has. And if you look at Trevor Lawrence, the same thing, right? I I detailed all of that where he can run. He can put stress on a defense, but oftentimes he's getting out of harm's way. And he's, he's not missed one game. <laughs> the, the results speak for themselves. So I think you compare those two quarterbacks stylistically to Anthony Richardson. And I look at that and I'm like, I would like to see A. Rich be more like those other guys style-wise. Because if he continues playing the way he has, there's a reason he got banged up in three of the four starts he's had thus far. That's just going to continue if he he keeps on that way. Right. I'm not saying, and you're not either, that there's necessarily a correlation between like his injuries, like the injuries themselves stacking up, but there's no doubt there's a correlation in terms of the play style that's being utilized for him. Right. Like that, 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 can be changed, that can be fine-tuned. And again, I understand that I'm always the, despite the fact that I'm not a Colts fan, I'm always the one that sits here and the voice of optimism here for this franchise, which is that he's only 21 years old. Regrettably, though, like the season for him, we know is done. So it's just a, a mental side of learning things for him now. And we have to wait eight months before we get to see have they made those changes. And you would hope, and I know that they will, because of not just the amount of money, but the amount of time and the jobs that are on the line to make it work with him, you would hope that that is something that gets heavy attention, not just this offseason, starting this week at practice. Uh, I don't know if we're going to play this clip a little later in the show or not, but John and Taylor had a sit-down interview. Eddie, will you please remind me the name of the podcast because I don't have the notes in front of me. The Trenches with uh, Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed. All right, so Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, the, the, the Trenches podcast, they had John and Taylor on there, and he had mentioned that he told Anthony Richardson, I want to help you. I want to be there for Jonathan Taylor, a a player who, again, controversy about trying to get a deal done and all of that this off season, but still takes the time. The second Anthony Richardson's drafted to let him know, Hey, I'm here for you. That should be the takeaway from the entire Colts organization. Even if it means saving him from himself, sometimes that that's the outlook that has to be taken. Not just the rest of the off season. When that arrives from this point forward. Well, and I also think There were some uh, Richardson to Josh Allen comparisons before the draft, right? There were some similarities where A. Rich didn't have a ton of starts. Neither did Josh Allen. Completion percentage wasn't that great. Similar build, right? Like there were some comps there. And I would hope from a Colts standpoint, I would like to see A. Rich as far as his running ability, be a little bit more like Josh Allen. Where Josh Allen, earlier in his career running, he was freaking yeah. crazy. Yes. <laughs> he was hurtling guys. Like, he didn't care. There's still moments where people are like, yeah. why, why, why is he... <laughs> Why is he going all out on? on there are times, there are times where crazy Josh Allen is still there, but he's dialed down yes. oh, yeah. quite a bit. And that's the thing with a Rich, where I think that's difficult to get in your mind. Like Anthony Richardson is six five and chiseled, you know. And so I, 
I don't know. It might be one of those things where it's like, I got to slide? Like, why Why do I have to slide? I could just bowl this guy over. And, and maybe he, he looks at it differently after these injuries where I'm not saying don't run. I'm just saying don't take that additional punishment right. if you can avoid it. That, that And hopefully he can make a Josh Allen-like change where you're not running all 17 games. You're sort of prioritizing, okay, this is a huge game. We got to get the one seed. What? This is a huge playoff game. We're in go for broke mode. That's fine. But in week five, man, you got to stay upright. And it's just, again, it's frustrating. It's unfortunate because there's so much of this offense, particularly the receiving room, I would have liked to have seen gel with Anthony Richardson. And I know that from a real standpoint, when you look game by game, yes, there's winnable games on the Colts schedule. But the more important thing for me moving forward is seeing less of what Gardner Minshew displayed this past Sunday and more of what he's done throughout his career, which is being a reliable quarterback, not necessarily one that's like guaranteed to win you games, but one that you know you can run a competent offense around because I have a lot of question marks about this wide receiver room, about this tight end room, and I want to make sure that the Colts are developing in such a way that they're able to find some answers to the questions in what is a critical offseason because you can't afford your offense to take a step back in 2024 and I know we're still months away from that but if you think the Colts aren't kind of thinking about that week to week you're out of your mind especially because Michael Pittman Jr. is on a contract year like those conversations are happening you cannot afford to squander what this offseason holds you need something that is not what last year was which is Matt Ryan's on the shelf and you're having Sam Ellinger and others try to run an offense and you're scoring five points a game and you're averaging like barely 150 yards, and you're like, I don't know if we have any weapons or not. Can we move the ball? Are these receivers competent? Minshew at least allows you to get a read there to the point that the season is not a total loss. Yeah. It's weird, too, with Jacksonville because they've got, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, it's going to sound like it, but they've got a lot of, like, number two receivers or maybe like a 1B. Calvin Ridley's pretty good. He's close, right? He knocks on that door for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he's more of a 1B yeah, than I, a top flight 1A, right? I don't probably I wouldn't fight that. Yeah. So they've got like decent dudes, but there isn't anyone like, oh, he's got Justin Jefferson or he's got Tyreek Hill, you know right? And they play good run defense. They're just a sneaky team that's 5 and 2 now. <laughs> like that was weird. I knew they were 4 and 2 going into last night's game. So it's not shocking that they're five and two now after a win, right? But I look at them like, man, they're five and two. They they're like an NBA scorer that drops twenty seven, and you're like, how did that guy get to twenty seven points? And then you start doing the math, and you're like, okay, a couple of mid range shots. There was that layup. He got to the free throw line a handful of times, and right? That's how I feel about right. Jacksonville being five and two right it now. It didn't magnify you the performance, but it's just it's a quiet like twenty seven, right? It's like, oh, okay, yeah. all of a sudden, I guess they're they're five and two and kind of in the driver's seat in the AFC South now, and they're a, a three seed at the playoffs end of the day. I will admit to you though. That's kind of the Thursday night football trick when they get at least one team that's like significantly good because they're the first team to show up on the dance floor for the new week, right? So you forget about everything else because that's the only football you've seen. You're like, oh, wow, hold on a second. The Jaguars are a game ahead of the pack. They're obviously not in this case, but that always trips me up whenever it's like a three and one or a four and one team and then you blink the next morning. Wait a second, they're five and one? How did that happen? So I yeah. think it's a Thursday night football effect. Yeah, and that that's the tough thing too. If you do a Jags and Colts side by side, 
if you look at Jacksonville and what Trevor Lawrence has to work with, I mean, he's got some playmakers, but he doesn't have elite playmakers, you know? Right. And if you compare that to the Colts, you know, I, I give the check mark to the Colts here. I give the check mark to the Jags there, but it's not night and day in terms of supporting cast for the quarterback offensively. But the, the question we still have is, I mean, what is Anthony Richardson? He, he was promising in spots, but he's not a known commodity, <laughs> right? Like, that's not where I have him. Um, that's where some Colts fans have him. That's where Jim Ursay has him. But I, I don't think that he's a known commodity. Let's get to this because you mentioned it with Jonathan Taylor. He was on the Trenches podcast with Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed. This is the, uh, the cut of him talking about helping Anthony Richardson. And uh, this is what JT had to say as far as that goes. I'm not hearing anything on this end, my friend. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if Eddie had him. I, I thought he did. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I. Hey, we'll we'll peel behind the curtain there. I wasn't sure when that was set up. If it was one of those where you had it on your desktop, oh, or but I hey, do have it. Wait, I didn't know if you were playing it or hey, what. Hey, it's all right. We we we'll, we'll get it in just a second. You okay. have it now. All right. I just want to be in that room to help him develop because somebody like that, like you'll feel good knowing like, yo, this, I was right here by this dude's side for whatever he needed. And I, I told him that as soon as we drafted him, I said, listen, not only myself, but the whole RB room, we got you. I feel like as a quarterback and I, over the years, I didn't ask Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, like, yo, what can a running back do to make your job easier? And they all said the same thing. Just be there. Be where you're supposed to be. Like, just have my back. Because mm. at the end of the day, I told AR, I said, yo, it's only us back there. Facts. Mm. You know, you got the O-line, everybody protect. It's only us back there. Yeah. Mm. I got you. I do love the uh, the facts. Just chime in there. You know, it's <laughs> quick. It's a very quick co-signing. Facts. I mean, I he's like not that. wrong. It, it definitively is a fact. They are, they are the only two back there. By the way, I don't know if this is just the TikTok algorithm working in my favor or not, but uh, I was watching the other day a clip of Marshawn Lynch on Shannon Sharp's podcast, and he was talking about how like he did not, and to this day doesn't, have like a hardcore tight relationship with Russell Wilson yeah, for, right. for that same reason. Like he he had offered up to him, like, hey man, I got you. Like you have a bad day, you mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick you up. I have a bad day, you're gonna pick me up. And Russell Wilson's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. But like that is the approach that I think a particularly a veteran running back like Marshawn Lynch in that instance, like Jonathan Taylor here, should have to a rookie quarterback is hey, yeah. I'm here with you. We're the only two on that island in those situations. And the rest of it are just everybody in front of us. We're there together. We'll pick each other up. Like that's what you should do as a veteran. And I don't think either like a lot, some skeptics might say like, oh, well, you know, this is just a, a, a PR move. For, no, it's not a PR move for John and Taylor. He's back now. Okay. He's under contract. It's go with the Colts. If you're a Colts fan, you were frustrated the off season, the hatchet should be buried because he's here now. And he's a very talented back. And the fact that as a veteran, even with everything else that he knew he was going to have to fight for and go through this summer, the fact he's willing to take the time and have that mindset of like, hey, I know I've only been in the league three or four years, but I'm here with you, man. Anything you need, I appreciate that. I do. Well, I do too. I just wish that the contract situation had been (laughs) worked out in the offseason. Where you could have seen it a lot more. Yeah. Because think about that. If I'm Anthony Richardson, you get it. 
This is business. Right. So he understands that. But at the same time, I don't know how A. Rich took it. I'm sure he took it, most likely took it very positively and appreciated it and all of that good stuff. But at the same point, at least me, I'd be like, bro, you just got here. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, okay, cool. Like, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, how are you going to feel like JT is there with you when he just got there? He did say that he said it after the pick happened. So at least it wasn't like, hey, I just showed up a week ago. I'm ready to go now for weeks five. But uh, <laughs> hey, I got you, fam. Like, at least it happened. At least it happened after the draft, right? At least at that point, you thought maybe you'd be there week one. Right. right? Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's true. Absolutely. Right. So timing matters, but I don't know. A lot more to... to to dissect as far as all of that no goes. Doubt. We will reconvene in a bit, but first, uh, Stefania Bell coming up, ESPN's injury expert. A lot to go over. A lot of QBs banged up. What's the timeline looking like? What's the recovery looking like? I, I don't know if you're like big into injuries, Jimmy. I find it fascinating. I, I like learning about stuff I don't know a whole lot about. You know, like, oh, yeah. So, so I'll have uh, many questions for Stefania. Uh, hopefully, none of them are like too stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> no promises but, from either of us. No, no promises, but uh, that's on the way. I'm Brian, though, in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook, Square and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Stefania Bell, ESPN's injury expert, does an awesome job. Before we get into injuries galore here, Stefania, I want to know what your favorite <laughs> non-injury topic to talk about actually is. <laughs> I don't know if I even have any topics outside of injuries right now. Um, you mean when I'm doing like shows or just topics in life? Just life, anything. Like you, you get together with your friends and you're like, oh, I get to talk about fill in the blank and it's not injury related. Yeah, usually they want to know about their fantasy football team, <laughs> right. but um, <laughs> I don't. I don't get a break in the fall. But for me, I, I am a huge sports fan, so I'm usually talking about something sports related. Uh, I, I don't have much of a life outside of that. I'm afraid to say, um, but I, I do. I will say, I'm a reader. I like talking about what are the good books that you've read lately. Like I'm always down for you know sharing on that front. But I don't read much outside of sports stuff in the fall. So I'm really quite a boring person, I guess, is what you're getting out of there. Uh, no, I don't think so at all. I think uh, there's nothing wrong with being a, a sports fanatic. I think that's awesome. <laughs> what, can you explain the differences, Stefania, between the shoulder injury that Anthony Richardson uh, suffered and what Deshaun Watson is dealing with with his specific shoulder injury there? Yeah, so Anthony Richardson had what's called an AC sprain, and there's really a wide spectrum of these. This is uh, same injury Derek Carr had, for example, but obviously not the same presentation, meaning there's different levels of severity um, and, and in terms of how it impacts the thrower, a wide range. And it's usually from a fall directly on the point of the shoulder where the clavicle, which is the C part of AC, the collarbone, 
And the acromion, which is the tip of the uh, shoulder blade, it's kind of a hook on the shoulder blade, and it wraps around to the front and meets the collarbone. That is the AC joint. And when you get damage to that joint, damage to the ligaments, the capsule, and some other stabilizing ligaments in the area, it can make that joint unstable, painful. And here we are with Anthony Richardson, who's going to have surgery to repair it. In Deshaun Watson's case, he took a hit while he was running um, directly on the, the arm near where the rotator cuff tendons attach. And he had what they called initially a contusion or a deep bruise to those uh, rotator cuff tendons. And Adam Schefter reported a week ago that it was primarily the subscapularis muscle, which might not mean much to most people, but it's one of the four muscles of the rotator cuff. And it's largely responsible for uh, internally rotating the arm, pulling it down and forward, if you will. But it's also a stabilizer of the shoulder in the joint. So when you're a thrower, if that muscle is not functioning properly or any portion of the rotator cuff isn't functioning properly, it can make you feel like your shoulder is not sitting in the right position. And it can also decrease your power. So power and stability of the rotator cuff, which is critical for a thrower. Stefania Bell of ESPN. Nice enough to take some time with us. Stefania there are a lot of Colts fans that sometimes, like all fans, fall into narratives that pop up surrounding injuries. In his young career to this point, with what Anthony Richardson has suffered, a concussion, uh, he kind of banged up his ankle slash knee against the Jaguars and left very late in that game. Now the AC joint brain, joint sprain. When it comes to Anthony Richardson, is he labeled now as an injury-prone quarterback? And if not, which I don't think he is, but if not, why should Colts fans not have that feeling about him moving forward? Well, I think the sample size is too small. Like, it's just been an unfortunate string of bad luck, but honestly, it was only five weeks. And it, what you really need to see is the spectrum of his career. Uh, let me take you back in time. Not a thrower, but somebody who was labeled as injury-prone coming out of college. This is going to go in the wayback machine, but Frank Gore, one of my favorite players of all time, running back, who came out of the University of Miami um, with some injuries and was injured early, had an ACL tear, then tore his other ACL, ended up uh, with a labral tear in one shoulder and then the opposite shoulder. And I had a theory that once he had the surgeries that took care of all these things, he was actually going to be more stable. You know, some people just have, uh, you know, tissue issues, as we call them, and they end up getting past that and they're more stable. And then Frank Gore becomes arguably one of the most durable players ever in the NFL after that, at a position that's particularly vulnerable, as I know Colts fans are well aware um, with the running back. So I think you have to give him – it's going to be one of those things where you can judge it in retrospect much better than you can at the start of his young career, and he deserves a chance to be able to prove that out. So um, it's unfortunate. Uh, it is a collision sport. When you are a quarterback who's moving with the ball, you are a target, just like a running back. And even if you're not a quarterback who's on the run as a runner per se, uh, you're still vulnerable in the pocket. Ask Joe Burrow, who had a complete knee dislocation as a result of a tackle in the pocket. So uh, I just think it's too soon to make that judgment. And let's, let's give him a chance to get through this and come back and, Maybe he's getting it all out of the way now. 
How about with Aaron Rodgers in the Achilles injury where we just saw him on the field before the game throwing passes and you know Jets fans are like, here we go, baby. So what <laughs> what kind of realistic timeline are we seeing with Aaron Rodgers and his return? And also, if you could add the little bonus of what's the difference between a ruptured and a torn Achilles? I've always wondered that. Okay. Um, wow. So many things. Let me start with the, the ruptured tear. I mean, this is the language of sports medicine, which is fascinating because people will hang on a word. And there are, you know, if you're on the medical side, and as you guys probably know, I'm a physical therapist that worked in sports medicine for 20 years before I switched over to media. So um, I do understand that the medical lingo and the, the semantics of how we speak in medicine which unfortunately make their way into the vernacular, but only like 50% of the way. So uh, words get picked up and then people go, oh my gosh, what's the difference between a sprain and a tear Mm. or a tear and a rupture? And usually in medicine, what I would encourage people to think about is everything is on a continuum. And there are ways that we do measurements and grades so that there is a language with which you can talk about severity. But everybody who practices medicine understands that it's all really on a continuum. There's not uh, clear, defined, uh, what does a grade one look like versus a grade two? I mean, there are some qualifiers. So when we talk about sprains, for example, let's let's start there. Uh, A sprain or a strain. Sprain is ligament, strain is muscular tendon. A grade one is minor or mild which typically means no macro structural damage. So nothing you could visibly see as far as uh, fibers being torn. But at the micro level, microscopic level, you may have some damage. Uh, There can be pain and inflammation and so on. A grade two is moderate. Well, that runs the majority of injuries because it's anything from roughly 25% damage to the structure to 75%. So you could have a grade two that's really close to the mild or a grade two that's really close to the severe. And then grade three is what we call a complete tear or a complete disruption, because essentially the majority of the fibers of whatever structure you're talking about are torn. Now, you hear this when people talk about ACLs, for example. They'll say, well, he he only had a partial tear. Well, here's the problem. The ACL and the Achilles, you could insert anything major like this, are so critical for the specific task that they perform. In the case of the Achilles, that's where you get all your elastic spring from, your push-off. In the case of the ACL, it's knee stability. If it's partially torn or fully torn, it doesn't matter if it's rendered non-functional. So if you have enough damage to your Achilles that you can't push off, it doesn't matter whether it's 75% torn or 100% torn. It matters that it's non-functional. It needs to be surgically repaired. Same with the ACL. So um, usually ruptured implies a complete disruption versus torn could be on the spectrum. But functionality ultimately drives decision-making there. ESPN Stefania Bell is our guest. Stefania, is there clear data one way or the other at this point in the argument of injuries on artificial turf versus natural grass? No, and you really need like an hour to dissect all of this. <laughs> I, and, and an hour might be, you know, underselling it. 
But I will say um, my, that, uh, you know, Stephen Holder and Kevin Seifert put out an article. Perhaps you guys saw it because obviously Stephen being local, covering the Colts and on sort of the conversation around field surfaces. I was just at the NFL league meetings uh, this, earlier this week and surfaces are an ongoing point of discussion. There has been literature showing more lower extremity injury on uh, artificial surfaces. But it's not as simple as all artificial surface versus grass. Because every time you're talking about field surface, you have to be looking at the particular conditions at the moment in time at which you're talking about the surface. Also, uh, one type of surface, and again, when we talk about artificial, there are many kinds of artificial surfaces. So uh, people might have heard the term monofilament or slit film, and these are all different types of artificial surfaces. Even if you were saying, well, I'm comparing field A and field B, and they both use monofilament type of uh, artificial surface. There still can be variations in terms of what are the climate conditions that that artificial surface is subject to. Is it dome or exposed to outdoors? What is the infill content? There's a balance of, you know, the infill, which is like the sand and the rubber pellets and all of that. How is it maintained? How often do they change it out? What other events are being held on that surface and how much does it disrupt it? Because all of those factors can change what that surface is like at the moment in time that a football player steps on it. So these are the things that everyone is looking at in terms of studying. And most players will say that they feel more comfortable on grass. And I think between the NFL and the NFLPA, this is a collaborative effort, much as it seems like they're at odds, which I understand. They are working together on the research aspect of this. The the problem is that the fields are inconsistent. I think that's the biggest complaint is how do you get a football player to step on one field uh, in week one and go to another stadium and another field in week two and feel like they're stepping on the same thing. I think that's ultimately where they want to get. And then that surface to be as safe as it possibly can be. But I don't think they have all the information to get them there yet. So it's going to be an ongoing topic for the next few years and a huge focus of their attention. Uh, but it, there's no easy way to answer the question. I think we have enough data to show that a number of these artificial surfaces aren't as safe as grass. But there's also times where a grass field is not safe. And if you ask the Bears about when they lost all their running backs in, uh, a few weeks ago, I believe that was on a grass surface. So mm. uh, it, it, it is a subject that absolutely warrants uh, the research and the dollars to study this and get it right. The NFL did say at the meetings this week that they are working with other professional organizations worldwide, including FIFA, to look at what some of their research, research is showing. Um, because that's been one of the topics is that for World Cup, that all the surfaces have to be grass. So uh, I look forward to that because if, if there's a perception issue for the athletes, then there's an issue. Because if that's in your mind, mm-hmm. even if it's just in your mind, you're playing differently, you're feeling differently, you're playing with more apprehension. And one could argue that some of that factors into injury risk as well. Uh, Stefania, you're awesome. It was great talking to you. Before you go, you've actually taught me 
through your answers. I love how detailed you are. And so I need to be less simplistic if I'm making a, a bet on a game instead of being like, eh, they're due. I need to have more detailed <laughs> reasons as to why I'm backing this team. You know, Stefania? I I both still look if I if I had a crystal ball I'd be living in Vegas and not Bristol. But uh <laughs> I do I do feel like um informed decision making does make you feel better when you ultimately make that decision. Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for uh giving us some of your time today. We greatly enjoyed it and we hope you have a great weekend, Stefania. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, thank you. There she is, Stefania Bell, ESPN's injury expert. That was fun, but man, there's so much that goes into this stuff. That's crazy, right? But uh, I love the reasons that she gives um, for <laughs> whether it's injury related or turf versus grass. You mentioned the sports betting aspect of it. The other side of that, another opportunity to see Stefania's work if you're a fantasy football player. I mean, you, you're talking about that. Eh, this guy seems like the hot hand. Well, he was banged up in practice and hasn't practiced all week. Maybe you might want to dive a little bit deeper to that injury yeah. report or at least listen to the Fantasy Focus podcast where we get your podcast on the ESPN side of things. So, you know, there is. There's a ton more to it than people realize, especially just like the you mentioned how she's able to educate us, particularly with the nuanced differences between each grade yeah. of a particular injury. That's insane. What'd you say? Grade two is anywhere between 25 and 75%. Right? We need a couple more grades. If that's <laughs> 25 to 75, that's, that's a wide berth right there, right? It feels like it is, but... Grade three, you're clear. That's 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 torn. Man. You're, you're in trouble. Yeah, grade three, no good, no good. All right, coming up next, I read something this morning that I still can't believe is actually true. I'll share that with you coming up. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook, Square and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noah for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Squarian Company here on The Fan. I read something this morning, Jimmy, and I, I did a double take. And then I like squinted my eyes to make sure I was, you know, like reading this right. And then I laughed out loud. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the exact order of things here. So the low down, dirty scoundrel Michigan Wolverines, at least allegedly, they're accused of sign stealing, right? They're going to opposing games and they've been accused of stealing signs. So that's the backdrop. <laughs> I read this blurb where it said, um, Michigan State, who Michigan faces this Saturday. It says Spartans officials initially told the NCAA they were considering not playing this weekend's game after hearing of the report. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you serious right now? Like This season is a train wreck for Sparty. We all know that. Mel Tucker, ousted, you know, not a wise move, allegedly. Again, allegations on his part. But um, let me ask you this, Jimmy. If Michigan State was the team that was ranked number two, and Michigan State was the team that was favored by 24 and a half (laughs) 
Do you think they'd reach out to the NCAA like, yeah, we might not want to play this game against Michigan? What a joke. Oh, my gosh. This is so bad for Michigan State. And it's just not even like the PR flex I think they thought it was going to be, right? Like, if that is true, if there were real conversations about that or if that was, like, leaked out on purpose, like, oh, there's internal discussions about it. Like, it's not the type of branding improvement that you think it is there, Sparty. It just... Like you're not you're not missing. Forget about the you know. There's always recruits at big games like this, but forget about the ramifications of in-state rivalries and Michigan versus Michigan State. An opportunity to get one. I mean, uh, doubtful, but right, the opportunity at least to get one over on your in-state rival. Like you're you're playing this game. You're not not going to yeah, show up, take a loss. Uh... That is a bad look on top of many other bad looks for Sparty this year. And you're right. Maybe there's like, hey, let's make Michigan look bad here. Let's uh, (laughs) wink, wink, have internal discussions about not playing this game. I don't know if that's what it was. Whatever the the reasoning was, it's awful. (laughs) I don't know if it's trying to make Michigan look bad or they were seriously considering this. Uh, It just makes Michigan State look so dreadful <laughs> which is which is pretty impressive considering the fact yeah. that it's michigan that should look the worst of anybody in yeah. this with potential cheating allegations yeah. thrown their Sparty way Sparty somehow found a way <laughs> to make themselves look bad with michigan being accused of sign stealing that is not easy to pull off but Sparty did god bless him all right coming up next aaron torres He'll talk some ball with us. He's from Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast. Got some college ball on the agenda, NFL. He'll break it on down. I'm Brian No. In for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarian Company here on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, In for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan, I want to welcome in Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast. He breaks it on down. Aaron, uh, how much uh, has your bankroll grown this football season? Uh, you know, it ebbs and flows like everybody else. I've had a couple of really good weeks. I've had a couple of really bad weeks. Why? did you? Have you heard some rumors? That, do I owe somebody money? Is somebody going to meet me in the alley? What's going on here? <laughs> no, just a random question popped into my head. I was just wondering how you're doing. That's all. <laughs> well, you- well, listen, I, you know what I do is I, I listen to uh, Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM on uh, yeah. you know, one of some, some station somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, and that's where I get all my advice. And generally, it's been going pretty good for me. So you know there you that. go. Bill Krakenberger. Follow that guy's advice. Yeah. He's a sharp guy right there. Hey, how about this with uh, Michigan? Allegedly dirty, cheating, patriot-like scoundrels over there, sign-stealing. And did you hear this? The latest portion was Michigan State reached out to the NCAA and said, hey, we're thinking about not playing this game. <laughs> What's your reaction to Sparty even kicking that idea around? Well, from the Michigan State perspective, it's soft. But, you know, I- I'm really – in. I- curious actually for your guys perspective because i've heard the full gauntlet from michigan fans not michigan fans whatever i understand the concept of everybody steals signs to some degree okay um i do think if you are sending people on the road and that is what the accusations are like that is a significant advantage that in theory nobody else in college football has and so like i i just you know I guess my, I mean, I have a lot of different reactions, but like, I just am shocked 
that there is like a big segment of the population that's like, yeah, you know, everybody does this. Like, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, I feel like it is a, a very big deal because it is, if, if, if what happened, if what is accused of happened, happened. Like, I don't know. I just do feel like it's a big deal. I do feel like it's a significant advantage. And I'll be honest, guys, as a guy who picked Michigan to win the national championship and has reveled in them kicking the crap out of everybody this year, um, it's like making me re-question all of my Michigan takes. I'm like, is Michigan that good? Or do, are, are they literally just cheating their you-know-what off to have this advantage? Like, at times when you watch them, it does feel like they know what's coming before it does. So I'm trying not to overreact. I'm trying to see both sides. I am a little surprised by those that are saying that it's no big deal, but I'm also curious what you guys think and if I'm being like an old fuddy-duddy and overreacting to this stuff. I mean, the bigger thing for me in terms of where the allegations have come from is how do you go about, and maybe this is a better question for you, Aaron, how do you go about proving that Michigan systematically had a plan in place to send people? Are you like tracking like flight records of like team personnel? Like how does one go about trying to figure out proof that they did this and that there's no doubt that they had an unfair advantage? Because to me, I don't sit back and say, oh, well, everybody does it. So it's okay. I go more towards, well, all right, these allegations are made. What are the steps to proving that they happened and prove that they gave an edge? Has that come across your table yet in terms of what the NCAA's process is? to prove intent? Well, it is interesting because they are asking for computer records and phone records and that's stuff that like happens a lot, you know, with recruiting stuff. And so that would be my assumption. But I think that's a good point by you, uh, Jimmy is like, well, you know, this analyst could have an aunt in Columbus, Ohio. Like, you know, how do you prove like, like if you can even prove that, you know, he was traveling on game days. And I think it is worth noting, like, you know, Yahoo sports just put out another report and on the report, they're showing this guy on the sideline. Well, if he's on the sideline, it means that he's not traveling to other teams games. But you know what I would say in the bigger picture is, yeah, I think that would be an interesting question is, can you prove, you know, that, that even if this guy is in theory traveling on game days, that he's going to games that he's in the stadium and that he is somehow in a position to steal signals. I think that would be an interesting follow-up is how could you actually prove it? But I think if, if he was doing what he was accused of doing, I think it's hard to, uh, hard to argue that it, uh, you know, that, that, that there was nothing nefarious going on at all, which again is what Michigan fans want you to believe. How about the uh, college game of the weekend? Number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. Two really, really good defenses. Offenses, eh, eh. <laughs> um, So as far as uh, Ohio State favored by four and a half, total 45 and a half, if you want to look at, look at it from a betting perspective. Hey, be our guest. If you don't want to go betting at all, be our guest also. What do you think about the game, though? Well, I, I think part of it, you know, you have to look at it almost like from a gambler's perspective is what is the health of so many guys for Ohio State? I mean, for people who don't follow this stuff on a day-to-day basis, and because I do all sorts of gambling stuff, I do, you know, going into that Purdue game last week, and you guys might have talked about it because I know the game was local, but, you know, Purdue, in the, going into the Purdue game, they were without their first leading rusher. This is Ohio State I'm talking about. Their first leading rusher, their third leading rusher, and their second leading uh, wide receiver, Emeka Buka, okay? So that's one. 
Um, then during the game, their second leading rusher, Chip Trainum, goes out with injury, and their best cornerback, Denzel Burke, goes out with injury. And so I'm bringing all this up to say is like whether you're a gambler or not, um, if you're down your top three running backs, an All-American wide receiver in your best corner, and even if you're not, even if they play, if they're not at 100%, I would think that it would impact the game. And I think it's especially important to note that because Penn State is essentially coming off of a double bye. Like, Penn State's schedule just I, – I mean, I'm sure it was in some ways by design, but it broke very nicely for them where they had a bye two weeks ago. Last week they played UMass in a game in which they got most of their starters out early. Um, you know, I just think everything is breaking well for Penn State. Now, obviously the game is uh, in Columbus, but I will say, you know, just talking to some people this week, it does feel like kind of one of those – if Penn State can't win this game under these circumstances, I don't know when they ever beat Ohio State. Now, again, by the way, they play Michigan at home later this year. You beat Michigan, you split the two games, maybe you're in position to win the division. But I just sit there and say, like, this is one that feels like it is there for the taking for, uh, for, uh, for Penn State. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports joins us, covers college football at large for them. Of course, you can subscribe to the Aaron Torres podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Aaron I want to go to a different direction in terms of locally here and not Notre Dame. We might say that for a little bit later, but IU football. And ordinarily, that's going to get the groans that it's going to get because of what IU football currently is and kind of what they've always been. Uh, On the front end, we've said a lot on this show. Locally, if you know Tom Allen, great guy, salt of the earth, wonderful person, but we know it's a business and winning is what matters most. His buyout on December 4th, I believe, drops to $20 million. I contend that IU as an athletics department is not going to spend $20 million to resolve an issue they created by giving him that contract for football to then go and pay another coach to come coach the program. But our regular co-host Jake Query has said, well, football, rightfully so, very, very important. And in a conference landscape that's always changing, you need to be able to show your worth, even if you're a basketball school, as a football program. I give you all that backstory content to ask this. Is it worth it in today's college football landscape if things continue to slide for IU to make a buyout of $20 million to Tom Allen? Or are they better off powering through one more season and waiting till it drops to, I think, $7 million in 2024? Well, you know, it's, it's the traditional, and it's, it's, it's the question that everyone asks in moments like this, and I'll tell you how it usually goes is, you know, you're going to save, in theory, $13 million, but how much are you going to lose in terms of donations and support and ticket sales and whatever? Um, I guess, you know, for me, this is a really complicated one, and I'll tell you why. Is because, on the one hand, um, you know, I think in 2023, especially in the SEC and the Big Ten, Buyout money should never be an issue. Like, like maybe Texas A&M is an extreme example, $75 million, whatever it is. But, I mean, you're making so so much money from um, from TV that it just it, it to me it's hard to justify keeping a coach if they're not performing and if you have a track record if you have one bad year that's different than really a three four year slide whatever it's been I guess my counter to that would be I'm curious what kind of candidates would want the Indiana job given where the Big Ten is going like I even look at, and this isn't a knock on Indiana football like I even look at it from the Michigan State perspective it's like. You know, Michigan State, I think there's a lot of candidates that would have been interested, um, you know, 18 months ago if something like this had happened versus now where you're not just going up against Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, 
but you add USC and UCLA, then you add another two teams this past year. So um, I, I think what should be going on and what probably is going on is I, I, I think that the um, AD should be really working hard behind the scenes to get a feel for, okay, who would be realistic if this job opened? Who could I actually get? Um, because to, 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 to commit $20 million to fire a guy with no real plan on who would actually be interested in replacing him, I think would be a grave, grave, grave mistake. I'm not saying you have to have a verbal agreement and you have to have a press conference the next day to welcome in the new head coach. But at the same time, I do think you got to be doing your due diligence because this is no disrespect intended, but I do think it's going to be a hard job to fill given the future landscape of the Big Ten. Uh, I want to shift to the NFL for a second. If you look at the Colts, there are a lot of fans that thought, hey, this is probably not going to be an exceptional season, wins and losses wise, probably not going to be a playoff year. This is about Anthony Richardson's development and four starts in, he's out for the season. So if you were hoping to see great development from Anthony Richardson and he's on the shelf now, what are you hoping for at this point as a Colts fan? Such an interesting question. Such an interesting question, though. Um, and it's tough, and, and, and it's exactly right. It's like, you know, because it, it turns into a thing of, like, what were, what were expectations coming in? What did they then become? Oh, by the way, and we know the answer to this, is, you know, Jonathan uh, – I almost called him Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Taylor uh, came back a few weeks ago. And so you sit there and say, like, okay, like – um, you know, all of a sudden you're three weeks into the season, four weeks into the season, whatever it is, you're three and two. And you're sitting there saying like, you know, we got a shot at this thing. Then obviously Richardson goes down. I know Minshew has been kind of up and down. You know, is it weird for me to say, I don't really have a great answer to that question. And it's only because guys is that, um, you know, I understand that the division isn't great, but Jacksonville does appear, especially after last night is starting to separate itself and it's like, what, what is realistic? And, and I know these are professionals, and I know that, you know, ownership, or, you know, ownership and fans may want something, you know, uh, in terms of a, a shutdown like you see in the NBA and, and get the draft pick and get, get weapons to help Anthony Richardson, whatever. But those players are going to try to win. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's hard just because, again, if, if Jacksonville was 3-3 three and three and everybody was kind of in the same boat, that'd be a little bit different. I know in theory if Indy wins this weekend, then all of a sudden they're only a game back. It's not like they're, they're miles behind. But it's just a tough deal to know exactly what to expect or even what to want to expect in a division where the team that was the heavy favorite coming in is largely playing up to those expectations. Now your rookie quarterback's injured, but you're kind of in the middle because you just gave Jonathan Taylor a bunch of money. It's just a tough, tough deal to be in. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio. Nice enough to take some time with us. Aaron, I'll gear this towards Notre Dame, but you can take it broadly to any team in this category. When the playoff expands, and I know we're operating with details that we don't know yet because it'll be new when it does expand next season, but when it expands, could a two-loss Power 5 or perennial program like a Notre Dame make the playoff? Is two-loss a death sentence, or is it still possible to make it when the playoff expands? No, I think for the most part, that's that's kind of the excitement about a 12-team playoff. Is It's almost like the expanded baseball playoffs, and I'm not a huge baseball guy, but, you know, the concept of the expanded baseball playoffs is it keeps more teams invested later in the year where, you know, like, like even like you look at a Clemson right now, you know, Dabble had those comments about his fans and they're, you know, we got to get some people off the bandwagon and this, that, the other thing. 
it's like, well, a year from now, even with two losses, I don't think you're going to be completely out of it. So, no, I, I actually think what it's going to do is it's going to keep a lot of teams a lot more invested a lot later in the year. Um, now, I do think it's going to take away somewhat from college football because, you know, the, the, the margin for error will be greater for even in Ohio State and Alabama where, you know, it's hard to envision – a 12-team playoff scenario where even in a quote-unquote down year, Ohio State isn't in. You know, Alabama last year, they had those two losses, and you could tell they didn't look like a typical Alabama team. Well, you put that team in the playoff with Bryce Young as a seven seed and eight seed, good luck to, you know, whoever's got them in the, the opening round. So, no, I, I, I think it's very fair to say that uh, two-loss teams will very much be alive. Now, how many of them will get in? Uh, and what you know? What you know? How is it going to look? That part I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think if, if you're finishing with two losses, if you're right on the cusp in most of these power conferences, you're going to have a pretty good shot. Especially, by the way, keep in mind we're going to have one less power conference next year without the Pac-12. Well, hey, Aaron, always good to catch up with you, man. I hope you have a uh, fun weekend watching ball, and it's also profitable, huh? We're hoping for oh. a big weekend here, right? Yes, well, I know where my pregame listing will be to, to make sure that I am profitable. But, yeah, it'll be a good weekend. It'll be a good weekend. By the way, Indiana Hoops got a little uh, uh, recruiting yeah. announcement here maybe in the next uh, hour or so. So, you know, I'll be tuning back into you guys to hear what you have to say if that happens. Hey, Aaron, Aaron by the way, uh, last time we talked to you, you were kind enough to make time for us while you were on the fly packing. So I hope that your, your trip went well, and I hope it's less stressful oh. leaving us uh, leaving us today. Well, it's less stressful, but it's also more sad because uh, I have nothing on the docket pretty much <laughs> from now until the end of time. Like, I'm not going to some beach getaway here for a few days. But that's right. I forgot about that. But, yeah, no, it was a great trip. Uh, you know, now that I'm not essentially nine weeks into college football season, I, I wish I had another one on the schedule. But, uh, but you know, listen, this is what we work for, right? We work hard. We're lucky to do what we do, so I can't complain. But, yeah, it was, it was a great trip. I thought about you guys a lot while I was uh, sipping <laughs> pina coladas on the beach. I'm so. sure you did. Yeah, very nice, man. Well, hey, we'll catch you soon, Aaron. Take care, bud. Thanks for the time. Thank you, fellas. Have a great afternoon. You too. There he is, Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast. I'll throw that question at you, Jimmy. And this, I, I hate for it to sound so doom and gloom, but it's an honest question. If – a lot of this Colts season was hoping that Anthony Richardson got a ton of reps, showed a lot of development, hope for the future, the whole nine yards, and four starts in, he's on the shelf for the season. What are you hoping for now? What is it? What's the at the top of the list, your Colts wish list for the rest of 2023? The top of the wish list for me is Gardner Minshew playing like he has throughout his career, being reliable, taking care of the football, while also allowing your wide receivers and a crowded tight end room to develop and get some separation of, okay, these are clear-cut either wide receiver ones or tight end ones, or these are clear roles established heading into 2024. And the reason that's so important to me, Brian, is because what I want to see happen and we talked about this earlier in the week, I believe with Zach Kiefer, who covers NFL at large for the athletic. What I want to see happen in the 2024 offseason for the Colts is I would like to see them retain Michael Pittman Jr. And it doesn't have to be him, but he's the, you know, the sexy, exotic name to throw out there. I would love them to go make an overpay like the Jaguars did for Christian Kirk and go overpay for somebody like a T. Higgins that could speed up the growth or at least help the growth along the way for Anthony Richardson. And the reason I want to see that, I know it's a small sample size, but you look at non-Mahomes division, but you look at how weapons just in recent history can help a quarterback in their development 
or take a leap forward. Stephon Diggs out in Buffalo for Josh Allen. Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow. Again, I know his previous year he was lost to injury, but they went out. Everybody's like, oh, you need to go shore up that offensive line. Eh, no, we don't. We need to get a game-changing weapon and help Joe Burrow a little bit. They get Jamar Chase, and then you see a breakout year for him the following season. I will pump the brakes a tad. Who's to say Burrow wouldn't have had the same year, but would he have been as electric as quickly as he was without Jamar Chase? And Christian Kirk falls below those two, but it was a role that the Jaguars felt needed to be filled. And even though national pundits and myself included didn't really see it and viewed it as an overpay, they felt like it was going to help Trevor Lawrence's development. And there's no doubt that it did. It's a perfect storm of things, right? The coaching change helped. Being in a familiar system helped. Like Everything helped with Doug Peterson, but so too did Christian Kirk. So for me, this season, the rest of it, in particular, yes, defense matters too, but evaluating the offensive weapons that the Colts have or could have and then realizing where fat needs to be trimmed and where upgrades need to be made, even if it means maybe overspending a bit that might come off nationally as, <laughs> what the heck are they doing? That's what I want to see. Yeah, hey, man, it's... Uh... It's a weird position for the Colts to be in because I'm just looking at the draft order. <laughs> Not for any particular reason, you know, just thought I'd <laughs> just peruse pop on that. Over there. Yeah. <laughs> and they currently have the 15th overall pick. So, like, that's a legitimate question is, like, they're not going to go to the playoffs and make significant noise, you know? The AFC is just way too loaded for that. So an honest question becomes, do you want them to win? Right, like, like seriously, it's a legitimate question. Do you, do you want to see them to lose enough to at least have a top ten pick? I'm not again, and, and the audience knows this, and I get flack for it all the time, and I understand it from Colts fans. Like, if you gave me the choice, and I said this when Richardson was healthy, if the options were Anthony Richardson looks good, and you lose games to the point that like you have a top five, top ten pick in the draft. Or Anthony Richardson looks bad, but but somehow you like make the playoffs. I would rather it be the former because this is still a very young team in a lot of ways that can't afford to be trapped in the vat of mediocrity that is eight and nine or nine and eight and getting throttled by twenty in the opening round of the wild card. Like that, that's not an area where I would like to see the Colts at this point. And people that push back on that. I get it. I understand because you're hungry for the playoffs and you love that short-term feeling of getting there. That's great. The Colts, as they are right now, especially without Anthony Richardson, are not in the realm of surprising people and making a run to go win a Lombardi trophy this year. That That's not their blueprint. So if you give me the choice, again, not a fan, no bias hat on here, if they wind up losing, like, 10 of their next 11, I'm not going to be upset about it because, yeah, now instead of a 15th middle-of-the-road pick, you have a better pick in next year's draft. It's like Tennessee to me. like That's where they're at right now. Like they've been picking yes. middle of the yes. order because they've yeah. been just good enough to compete Correct. every year with Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and then inversely, you could compare where the Colts are at right now with where the Pacers were before they blew it all up and acquired Tyrese Halliburton. And now Pacer fans are beyond ecstatic and fans around the city of Indianapolis are ecstatic about the future of the Indiana Pacers. And you look at it right now, you have no Anthony Richardson. If you're winning with Gardner Minshew, you're only going to hurt Richardson. Brian, I want to make it clear as well, and to the fans as well, I stress this too. There's two, like, I'm not saying actively tank. A, because like, that doesn't happen 
in the NFL to the scale that people think it does for a number of different reasons. Players don't care about what a front office wants. A lot of players are fighting for their next contract or fighting for life in the NFL. Like, weird things happen week to week in this league to the point that, like, it's really hard to try to actively tank. That's not what I'm saying. But your question of, would I be mad if they're losing games? No, I wouldn't because if it gets you an opportunity to draft a little better, and then people point to other areas of this team like, hey, they don't need to overspend a wide receiver. Maybe go get a veteran corner, another veteran defensive piece. Okay, that door is now open if you're able to use a top pick on an offensive weapon or vice versa. It gets somebody, I don't know where the quote was, Brian, but I saw it this week. Somebody pointed out the fact that it's one thing to be able to tank but you need to also be, it might have been John. He was talking about the argument about tanking that like, okay, yes, you could do that practice, but you also have to have a competent front office to make the picks as well. So they go hand in hand. You can't just be bad as a team for one year and then have incompetence in the draft. You need to still be able to talent evaluate, still be able to make those selections. But one would argue if you have an opportunity to take a 40 foot punt or a 10 foot putt, I'm going to take the 10-foot putt. I'd like that, please. Right. That's what happens if you have a fifth pick versus like the 15th pick. No, I like that because we all know, and we have to put the disclaimer out there, but we all know having a higher pick doesn't guarantee you a better player. It's not a guarantee, but I like the putting analogy where it gives you a closer putt. It makes it, It's a more makeable putt when you have a, a higher prospect that you're able to get. So, yeah, I would want that without saying it's a for sure thing or anything like that. I was just looking at not just last this year's draft because, listen, we're only, what, six games in? <laughs> or not even for some teams that have had a bye. But if you look at other drafts, you look at, let's go to 2022. Let's go to last year. You look at Garrett Wilson, the Jets receiver at 10th overall followed by Chris Olave, 11th overall, the Saints receiver, Jamison Williams is right there, Jordan Davis with the Eagles, Kyle, Ham- Kyle Hamilton, shout out Notre Dame right there. You've got some good players in that 10 to 14 area, so I'm not saying it's a death sentence to miss out on a top 10 pick, but if it just so happens to be, I would rather have that. I was full-blown, like, Pacers in the NBA, it's just different than the NFL. You get a, a premium pick, sign me right. up. <laughs> There's no reason for the Pacers to win any games at the end of last season at all because I just want them to be as high as possible in the draft. It matters more the positioning in the NBA draft than the NFL. With all that being said, yeah, I'd rather be in the top 10 when it's all said and done. But what you said is true. You, you want to get as much information as you can to help next year's roster. That's really where you're at. You know, If you can get that information and lose a bunch of games and get a higher pick, it's probably the best of both worlds right there. I will concede one thing that I had early on in the offseason last year when we were having these same conversations right around the draft and where things were going to go. Unless the Bears, and even then, you're probably out of it because the Broncos would have to make the same mistake. Unless the Bears and the Broncos suddenly turn a corner this year, and for the Bears it also matters about the Panthers being 0-6, the Marvin Harrison Jr. dream is probably dead. 
Yeah. Like you're going to have to give up capital to go move up to right. get him. If that was, I, I know we joked about if it was a Jim Irsay dream or not, or I mean, because I think he would love to have a, the son of a Colts legend. And it's not just because he has the name, he has the talent to back it up. But sure. as it stands right now, to your point about looking at the draft, and I'd like to keep this short because while I do love looking at drafts, it's October. There's still more things to look at. But if it ended today, Bears have top pick because of Carolina and they have the third pick because of their own. Like, it's too easy for me to not go take a quarterback if I'm the Bears and then go get Marvin Harrison Jr. and call it a day. Oh, yeah. Chips in. <laughs> what do you got to do if you want Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, you got to go chips all in. You are correct. That is right, Eddie. <laughs> all right, coming up next, are you on Team No or Team Stefania and Jimmy? That's really what it comes down to. Ooh. We'll investigate that. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarry and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So, uh, you, Jimmy, you asked uh, Stefania Bell, who was a guest of ours last hour, ESPN injury expert. Podcast up, just search Query and Company, wherever you get your podcasts. There you go. Fond of reading. <laughs> He's a big reader. Yes. Over there. You big reader? Not really. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, I, I, yes, I've read my fair share of books, but like, I'm not. I'm not picking up a, like when, when when I have the free time, I'm not sitting in a nice nook in my house reading a good book. I'm usually playing yeah. that in a rocket league or something. There you go. I think I almost finished to kill a mockingbird when I was very young. That's well, it's usually it's, a standard high school book, right? Like we read that in high school for certain. That, by the way, that's not an education shot at you. I'm, I'm merely saying that's usually a, a curriculum required book, which is why I, I assume that you probably would have read that at one point in time. Yeah, even the stuff I was required to read, I didn't complete reading. That's my resume right there. I, I don't know what it is with me. and re- I read a lot of sports stuff, sure. getting ready for shows. I read a lot of that. But to sit down and read a book cover to cover, I'm lacking in that department there, Jimbo. I'm but, with you. But, You're amongst friends. In any event, Stefania Bell is fond of reading. You asked her a question about Anthony Richardson. And you said, is it fair to label him injury prone this early? And you don't think it is? Stefania was like, it's early. It's... A- I'm completely against you guys. So Color he, me shocked. <laughs> he is, at this point, subject to change. Okay? You got to hear me out. But right now, he is the poster child, full-fledged, injury-prone quarterback. There is zero doubt about that. Now, a good comp would be Tua Tungavailoa, not based on... You know, like size, stature, two is a, a smaller sure. we guy talked than about Anthony this Richardson. Right? Yeah. right. But you would have for sure labeled Tua Tungavailoa an injury prone quarterback earlier in his career. He hasn't missed a start this year. He's been completely healthy. He's changed his game a little bit, not running as much. If he does, getting down, getting rid of the ball earlier, not taking those punishing hits. You can alter your style. You can make changes, and hopefully Anthony Richardson will. So I'm not saying from here on out that's all he's going to be, is medicine cabinet guy. But to this point, 
Hell yeah! <laughs> he is injury prone to the nth degree. He's had four starts and didn't finish three games. Like you can't get more injury prone than that right now. I feel like though the phrasing of injury prone is labeled and saved for guys that have a larger body of work. For instance, and I know this is different. It's not really a fair comparison, but when have you when have you and I ever played fair? Like for for my for, for my argument, am I to sit here and tell you, you know what? Anthony Richardson is a guaranteed high level completionist with the football because he was just a tick under 60% in his rookie season. Would that be enough to justify that, hey, that's going to be him the rest of his career? No, because it's only four games. Right. You are right. Like, yes, if his career ended, if this was it, it was over, it would be, I mean, for a number of different reasons, viewed as probably one of the worst picks ever because he only played like four games and we're not in that territory yet. But yes, if this is where the book closed, that would be your closing remarks on him. One of the most injury prone players in all of football to the point that he had to leave after four games. So, yes, you're right. As the story's written right now, it's hard to argue it, right? right. But I don't think, and that's why I wanted to ask the question to her and where she kind of took the path I hope she would, which is there's not enough in terms of the way the injuries have happened of proven correlation that it's going to happen again. And I think that's the fear on a lot of Colts fans' minds. Doesn't mean it can or can't happen, but you look at how things ended with Andrew Luck and you look at like injury history with the Colts, look at kind of how it ended with Peyton as well. There's a fear of, oh, well, once you're down that path, that's it. You're a goner and you're never going to be the same or, <laughs> Lord will it, you might retire I think that's in the back of a lot of Colts fans' minds. So why I wanted to get her perspective on it and how I kind of feel about it is just like you don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to be, far too early to be able to say, yeah, this is going to be a risk for him for the rest of his career. Well, I just think it's really interesting if we start off with something positive or something critical and where it goes from here. Okay, so let me walk you through this. We said things on – sorry – you said things on yesterday's show <laughs> that were very positive about <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Um, like he showed a lot of poise. He looks to be a, a leader, right? Like those type of things. And I don't think, by the way, you're not saying this, just to make it clear. I, right. I didn't make those up. Like I think if you're an object, an objective yeah. viewer would also see the negative as well, but I no, feel no, like no, those yeah. are positive facts. Right. It's not like I'm just really like idealist here for the Colts. Like, hey, no, it's no, no, be no, fine. no, no. I'm just saying that I think it's more comfortable if you observe something positively to almost without if you're not saying it, you're implying it that it's going to remain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's not necessarily going to. But if it's something critical, like him getting banged up like crazy, it's like, well, it's early. It's only four starts. Let's like tone it down here a little bit. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Where there's not the same, hey, he showed a lot of poise, but dot, 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 let's wait and see if this is the real thing or not. You know, it's yeah. just, the, it's one of those things when it's critical, you're like, let's not just jump to conclusions over here. But if it's positive, it's like, oh, look at this guy. A lot of poise. Like that's just going to remain for the next 15 years. It's a done deal after four starts. I think that's the general person's reaction. I would note two things. One, 
one, I feel like yesterday I was also even keel with. I know you're not directly talking to me. Right, You're, right. you're generalizing of that's what tends right. to happen with those two yeah. situations. But with our conversation yesterday, I was also agreeing and reminding people with like, this isn't a guarantee of like his positivity that's there is going to carry him to be a franchise quarterback. Right, I right. want to see more. And I will say on the injury front, and I don't know if this is just the way football, that sport in particular, has ingrained injuries in my mind. If this was something he was dealing with, with like a torn ACL or an MCL, and the fact that he does like to run the ball, not to say that like the shoulder doesn't matter, obviously it does, but I would be far more worried and scared that he'd be overcompensating to try to protect the knee, or like maybe that's something that's always going to be with him. The shoulder thinks will too, and I want you to comment on that. Like maybe I'm being too naive with it, but because it's not a, a knee injury and mm-hmm. it is a shoulder injury that there appears to be a little bit more clarity on, I'm less nervous that he's going to, for the rest of his career, uh, that shoulder's always going to be at risk. Whereas with the knee, I would be truly grimacing anytime he takes off. Like, I hope he doesn't step the wrong way, might re-tear the ligaments. I don't know. I don't know if that's foolish, but that's just yeah. how it's kind of been ingrained in me is knee injuries are really the be-all, end-all. Any injury can end a career, but you mess with the knees, that's taken away a lot yeah I hear you I just wonder which would cause him to slide more yeah. often <laughs> <Right>? like <laughs> if, if it's a shoulder injury versus a knee injury I don't have an answer I for would that. hope I'm, that both of them would equally make him want to slide more I feel like that's a, yeah, a takeaway uh, we definitely have uh, through the four game sample I size. would hope so there's one thing that crazy Jim Ursay said about Anthony Richardson that is beyond ridiculous okay he said He's not running too much. He's protecting himself. He really is. Let's stop right there. How is he protecting himself exactly? Huh? Three games of the four starts he didn't finish. How did he protect himself against Houston when there was a concussion? How did he protect himself exactly against the Titans? when he, It was a normal tackle, but he's on the shelf for the rest of the year. How did he protect himself in the first game where he didn't finish it against Jacksonville? How? How did he protect himself exactly? He doesn't protect himself. That's a re- reckless, incorrect statement. I don't know why that drives me crazy, and, but the volume goes up, and I just start throwing things. But It just annoys me when people just start throwing stuff out that's not even close to being true. Well, you said this yesterday. Owners are going to be owners, right? They're going to say things that are just wildly roller coaster of. I don't really think that's what's happening here, Jim, but I understand you own the team. This is coming again from the same artist, I'm naming Jim Ursay, the recording artist here, that dropped the two Lombardis are coming in the next 10 years. Like that, it's from that same album, right? So when I hear things like that, I, I asked the same question earlier this week. And I know the answer is because it's Jim Ursay, and that's just how it is. Why is there never middle ground? Why does it have to be, I've seen the future of the NFL, and it's Anthony Richardson? <laughs> Why can't it be, we're, we're hopeful that he's going to build towards being our next franchise quarterback? And I know the answer, because honestly, if I had the money Jim Ursay has, and I owned a professional franchise, I would also try to speak as much positivity into existence as I could, but there's never a middle ground. Ever. Would you like him to... But here's the thing, though. If you're a fan and he's like, yeah, I hope he turns into something special, like, that to yeah. me, that would come off the wrong way of him not having confidence well, that's in A, the too, coaching right? staff to develop this guy to be something special, or B, this guy 
to develop into something special in his own right. So I feel like he doesn't have much of an option other than to say, yeah, this guy's going to be great. I think that. But Jim even Mersey, that's different. Even no. saying he's going to be great is different yeah. than saying the future of the NFL it, is Anthony it, it, Richardson. That, like Anthony Richardson's development is not hinging on whatever Jim Irsay right, says it, or tweets. It bears so, no way. Right, right, correct, nothing correct, to right. do with anything. Jim Irsay acts like he is an unpopular 12-year-old that's doing whatever he can to be popular. That's how he acts. He's the voice of the owners. <laughs> Just how he rolls. Man. But we've seen this before. Jerry Jones last year. He was like, it's not in Dak's DNA to turn the football over. And you're like, really, Jerry? Because he's leading the league in interceptions. What are you talking about? So it's, it's happened before. There's no doubt. All right, coming up next, it could be tough sledding offensively for this team that most of you root for. Uh, we'll give you some stats on that coming up. I'm Brian, though, in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook, Square and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian, though. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And for Jake, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I think of our guy Todd Meyer every time I hear Bruce Springsteen now. And uh, Todd's management coming unglued saying, I saw one concert... I don't worship the ground he walks on. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> I think it's Todd every time now, Jimmy. You? <laughs> I, a little bit, yes. Poor Todd. He's got the day off today. He's so just, he can't even defend himself. Enjoy, he just enjoying, enjoying a nice Friday. Catching strays. Okay. There's no strays. That's just what I think of. You're right. You're right. They're not strays. They're straight They're straight up haymakers. That's what they are. No, they're not. No, that's untrue. That's not fair at all. We could be rehashing the whole South Detroit thing right now, Jimmy, instead, but... I'll take yeah, the Springsteen. Yeah, I, I would like to instead, while well, we have a second, Brian, if it's okay, we did get a Colts injury report, so we'll mm. categorize it in the breaking news area. Get that out real quick. It's not the final practice report, but on Colts.com, they've ruled out tight end Kylan Granson with a concussion and right tackle Braden Smith, hip slash wrist, for their Week 7 game against the Cleveland Browns. That from Shane Steichen. Should be noted, wide receiver Alec Pierce was not ruled out on Friday, though he did exit Week 6 loss to Jacksonville. Limited participant Thursday, did not practice Wednesday, so we'll have to wait for the final injury report later today for that official designation. So, Miles Garrett versus rookie Blake Freeland. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's a rough assignment right there. That is... uh, You go block 95. Okay? (laughs) Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones... Like uh, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, any either Bosa, really uh, TJ Watt, just people. I, I just don't I don't want that matchup at all. I'm just good. Yeah, Thanks. That's, I'm fine. that's a rough one. Uh, Deshaun Watson officially questionable, but he's taking first team reps today. So look, I it looks like it's trending toward Deshaun Watson yeah. will be playing the uh, I think one of the tough stats or the yeah, as far as the Colts go is um, look at the defense that they're facing. You know, we just mentioned Miles Garrett, and and, uh, that presents a problem, sure. But you think about the team they just played. They played the 49ers. So the 49ers, scoring-wise, they had scored 30 points in eight straight games leading up to last week's game against Cleveland. (laughs) So just this season, their point total, week by week, Jimmy, 30, 30, 30, 35, 42 against the Cowboys, 17 against the Browns. So 
if Cleveland shuts down the Niners the way that they did, what are the Colts going to do against them? The, the Browns have the number one pass defense in the NFL. They give up 121 yards per game on average. A buck 21. <laughs> so, I Minshew threw for over 300 last, last week against Jacksonville. 55 passing attempts. But you just have to wonder what this Colts offense is going to be able to do against the Browns, who have been fantastic throughout almost the entire season. The Ravens, the one exception where they didn't play great defense. They played, they've been fantastic so far. Your only real hope, outside of rooting for an off day, and maybe it's still too early in his return to ask for this, but if the snap count favors Jonathan Taylor, your only real hope is to make life difficult on Cleveland to the point that they're also worried about Jonathan Taylor while worried about Gardner Minshew. Because if it's another 55 pass day for him and he's having to just make things up on the fly, I'm not saying we're getting another three turnover day, but you're not going to have the ball very long. Yeah. Yeah. All right, our guy KB joins us next. Kevin Bowen from the Wake Up Call. We'll have some t- fun talking ball and whatever else pops into our heads. KB's great at just rolling with whatever. So we'll have some fun coming up. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Aquarian Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And for Jake, he's Jimmy Cook. It's Aquarian Company here on The Fan. Kevin Bowen from The Wake Up Call joining us here. KB, what is going on, man? How have things been going in your world? And I want to know, as we're hearing uh, from a boy band in the background, do you have any musical guilty pleasures on your list there? Well, if I'm going to fully raise my hand here, I might have hummed that just a little bit. (laughs) There you go. Um, so, Eddie Garrison, you got me there Friday at 2 o'clock. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, I, I'm probably like a, if I show up to a concert and I feel like you're entertaining the audience, I, I'm probably going to get behind you. I mean, like, I, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to every country, you know, boy band rap, you know, whatever, Shania Twain concert here. But for the most part, I don't feel like I'm uh, too, too against any sort of music, but yeah, again, uh, hand raised. I was probably humming uh, that a little bit there. What What would be the most random concert that you've attended? Oh boy, um, I did a weeknight concert in Louisville uh, to, for Kesha. Are you familiar with Kesha? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Kesha uh, with uh, good friend Ryan Dorsey. So that was quite a humbling experience. Waking up for work the next day realizing to myself, wow, I really went to a Kesha concert last night, and here I am having to, you know, have awkward icebreakers in the uh, in the break room with my coworkers. So, yeah, uh, I would say Kesha on a Wednesday night on 4th Street in Louisville. I do like that she has – does she have the, uh, like, the money sign as the S? I've seen yeah. that a couple of times in her name, right? I was going to say, you are on it, Brian. No, That's yeah, right. spelling is key. It is not the S. It is the, it is the shift four key, right? That's right. Get the, uh, get the money sign on it. <laughs> That's beautiful right there. Um, okay, uh, sports. <laughs> so uh, uh, what are you thinking about the Colts taking on the Browns who just beat the Niners? What, what do you think about this particular matchup here? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty ugly. Um, 
you know, when you look at the over-under, I, I'm a little surprised it's as high as it is, right around 40-ish. Uh, I mean, their quarterback situation obviously still up in the air, but um, yeah, what stands out to me is they certainly have a defense that is historically good through five weeks. Um, I also think they have a couple of individuals that can kind of go win you a series, win you a game, and Miles Garrett and Amari Cooper. I'm not sure if the Colts have that. They certainly don't have it a pass rusher and wide out like the Browns do. Um, but And I say this in all seriousness, I think in a game like this, when the score is going to be as low as it is, the, the weapon of a kicker in Matt Gay I think is huge for the Colts. So, uh, again, I expect a very low score. And I think I said this morning on the show, I'm not sure how politically correct it is, but I call it the puberty game. Uh, first one to uh, – to be a teenager, I think I uh, win. So first one to get to thirteen, in my opinion, wins on Sunday. So that's where my uh, that's where my head's at. KB, I heard Eddie ask you this before you came on, and so I only heard right half of the conversation. So if you don't have clarity on this, I'll move on to a different question. But we have the final injury report. I guess two part are your reactions to, or not the final one, but we got the Colts announcing who's out. I guess your thoughts on the injuries as it stands and with Alec Pierce, any updates on what you saw today or if he practiced today? Yeah. So obviously Braden Smith is a big loss. Kylan Granson um, is a notable loss. He's played the most out of your tight end. Um, you know, Pierce, I would think he gives it a go. I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee by any means, but typically you practice on a Thursday and Friday. That's usually a good indication. Uh, but again, the loss of Braden Smith is huge. Uh, you know, when you're facing, Miles Garrett, and, and I think Cleveland has an underrated defensive line outside of Garrett. I think they've got pretty good depth with that group as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's not ideal in losing a guy like Grantham, but in particular Braden Smith, when you're facing one of the best defenses in the league, you know that's uh, that's that's a big big loss. Um, I, what do you? How would you? To someone who hadn't watched Anthony Richardson throw one pass or, or take one snap this season, and said, "Hey, KB, man, you do radio in that area. You watch every single play. What do you think about him going forward? What would you say to that person?" You just strictly talking him on the field, or are you factoring in the injury situation as well? Well, both, all things considered. What do you think about the guy going forward? Yeah, I think what I've kind of said about it is I feel like you are highly – well, I, I think I said this to Eddie earlier in the week. I feel like kind of the two takeaways I have with Richardson at the end of the year are this. I think the returns on him in a positive direction could be a little bit earlier than I thought. Like, I think we all were this, oh my gosh, he's 20, he's about to turn 21, he's got 13 career starts, you're not going to see the returns on him until – you know, whatever, year year four, you know, like something like that. And now I'm kind of like, wait a minute, that was pretty good, albeit a very small sample size. I think this could happen a little bit earlier. Now, on the flip side of it, you, you, you can't ignore the small sample size. And, I mean, there's so many different numbers you can look at. You know, 173 snaps is an extremely low number. He only played really a quarter in a series on the road all year, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and then again, the injury situation for me is not so much the shoulder worry. It's more of just playing style and how long is the career window. So that's probably the other takeaway I have. Again, I think the return on him could be a little bit earlier in this, you know, year one, year two, year three sort of cycle. But the career window of, you know, when you draft a guy top five, you're thinking, oh, he's, you know, he's the guy for 10, 12 years. Now I watch and think, ah, that might be a little bit, you know, optimistic to kind of already pencil in what he's going to whatever look like at 28, 29. 
just stylistically, if you look at, you know, dual threat guys, I mean, Donovan McNabb and Steve McNair and Michael Vick, I mean, those guys all had to kind of alter their games and just didn't have the same sort of staying power as in dual threat nature. And that probably will be the case with Richardson. And obviously health will be a big, big factor in it. Kevin Bowen is our guest, the fans' very own. You hear him 7 to 10 a.m. on the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Of course, Colts beat writer for 107.5thefan.com. Kev, we are 11 days and a couple of hours away from the trade deadline in the NFL. And I know unlike baseball and basketball, there's less buying and selling that really happens year to year at the deadline. But I think we can probably safely assume Colts won't be buyers in this situation. So I'll phrase it this way. Where do you see them acting as we get closer to the deadline as a neutral party or as sellers? And if it's the latter, does that at all concern Michael Pittman Jr.? Yeah, it's a good question. I I would probably say more of a neutral party. Now, I might be a little bit more open-minded to selling than most. This is how I view the trade deadline. I view it in a very, if you are going to make a move that is going to take you from playoff contender to Super Bowl contender, then you buy. If you're not that team, then I believe you should be in a sell type of mode. That that might be a little bit too harsh to just kind of boil it down to that. Obviously, there's not a ton of teams that you would throw into that category. But that's kind of how I view it. I especially view it with contract year guys that are not part of your 2024 plans. So if you sit here right now in mid-October and you map out what 2024 is going to look like, that to me is a, okay, Zach Moss is in a contract here. Julian Blackman's in a contract here. Uh, Grover Stewart's in a contract here. Uh, you know, Pittman to me, I think should be in your 2024 plan, so I don't put him in that group. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day, you know, what about Buckner? You know, Buckner to me, I think it's still an important piece for multiple years and he's not in a contract here, so I don't view that. Uh, Kenny Moore's in a contract here, so Again, those are some of the guys that you look at. Uh, but last year's trade of Naheem Hines for Zach Moss in a fifth-round pick, I mean, that was settling in a way. But, you know, you all, obviously you got a little bit of return on that. I think that not trading Stephon Gilmore at the deadline was a bit of a mistake, though. So um, maybe you could have got a little bit more. So that's kind of how I view the old, uh, the old trade deadline. Um, there are a lot of Colts fans, KB, as you well know. Their number one hope for this season was Anthony Richardson getting a ton of work, seeing his development, and now he's on the shelf after four games. So if that was your number one hope, what now becomes your number one hope from here on out for the Colts season? Yeah, you know, I think when I, I did a storyline list at the start of the year, obviously Richardson was one. Taylor was two. How would that situation play out? I think three on the list, and I'm grouping two young guys together, it would be Quiddy Pay and it would be Bernard Ryman. And if you can get to the end of the year, you can say that one, at least one of them, is the future at that position and you feel really good about it. That's mm-hmm. an important piece to the Anthony Richardson puzzle. And you know, there's two things with Richardson. It's development and it's support. Well, development's gone. I mean, there's nothing you can develop now the rest of the year. Support, though, you can continue to try and find that. And, again, Ryman at left tackle, is that, you know, Tarek Glenn to Peyton Manning? Is that Anthony Cassandro to Andrew Luck? I mean, that is, you know, huge for, you know, his health, of course. And, obviously, you talk about, you know, what pain and what a salary cap situation looks like. 
if you're paying Ryman third-round pick money to be your left tackle for the next three years, that, that, that's great news. Um, you know, pay, I'm probably not as, like, stamping the approval of that just yet, but we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. You know, obviously, Michael Pittman wins with him being in a in a contract year. I mean, that, that one, you know, certainly is another piece. You know, how does Kenny Moore and Shaquille Leonard play the rest of the season out? And Shaquille Leonard's kind of in a pseudo um, pseudo contract year. Uh, and then the other name I throw in there, and I wouldn't have said this at the start of the year because he missed so much the offseason, but what does Juju Brents look like? I mean, that's a premium position. He's also getting baptism by fire. And he's a guy that all of a sudden, if you have an outside corner that you feel really good about, that's an important piece at a critical position moving forward. So I still think there are plenty of storylines to watch. It's just nowhere near as important as, obviously, what you have with Anthony Richardson. Kevin Bowen is our guest. Again, you can hear him 7 to 10 a.m. right here on The Fan, the wake-up call with KB and Andy. KB, with where things go from a – wide receiver and tight end room development standpoint, do you still have the utmost confidence that Gardner Minshew provides a type of stability to have real hard evaluations about those specific rooms this offseason? Because I I I know you've mentioned this as well. It's critical this offseason to fine-tune weapons around Anthony Richardson to bring along his development in 2024. Is Minshew still capable of doing that for the Colts at a minimum in terms of where expectations are for him the rest of this season? Yeah, that's a good question. And Pierce is the name that that pops into my head most when you ask that question. I. I would like to think so. I'd like to think last week was the anomaly. Um, and, and, you know, he missed Pierce, let's be honest, early in that game. Uh, right after the fumble uh, for the South CTN touchdown after that, you you were down 14-3. Pierce got behind his man. You had a chance to hit a deep ball, and you, and you didn't do that. So um, he would be the one. Again, I would like to think that you can have that sort of evaluation, but I, I – yeah, I, I would hope. Uh, so Pierce at wide out, and then, you know, tight end-wise, just some of the young guys. I mean, see kind of anybody in that group really, really um, step forward because to me it's just a bunch of guys right now. How about this crazy season for our Irish, KB? Goodness, we're, we're up, we're down, topsy-turvy. If you had to boil it down to one word, <laughs> this is a hard question. What's the one word for Notre Dame's football season thus far? Yeah, it makes me think I need to see a cardiologist, to be totally honest with you. Um, yeah, I know it's not one word, but uh, that's probably where I would go with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be crazy, especially the last month. You know, obviously when you got through the first, whatever, kind of four or five games of the season, it was pretty like, all right, you know, who are these teams? When does competition rise, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, after the USC game, what they did to Caleb Williams, all of that. It's one of those things where, all right, 10-2 and two and play Brian Kelly in the New Year's Six Bowl. Like, I'm like, all right. So, yeah, it's been crazy. And part of it's just college football. I mean, you know, to have that play happen against Ohio State and the end of the game play out, then it's like, all right, you got to run, run the table. And what happens against Louisville happens. And you beat your rival. You do that to Caleb Williams. And it's like, well, that just pretty much means you have recruiting momentum back on, back on the table. Like, it's just – what I don't love about college football and what I do love that the playoff will expand. So, you know, 10 and 2, you can kind of backdoor your way into it yep. a little bit. That, that feel of it. So, it's been crazy. I'm more of a Freeman guy than, than most. I, I, I think it's a good, um, 
try to change up a little bit more of your roster depth and your overall recruiting. And, you know, college football is just different. And what you want as a head coach in the NFL, the NFL is so game-centric, so, you know, X's and O's-centric. College football is so much more about your brand and the ability to recruit and have roster depth. And I think that has hurt Notre Dame in the past. So um, I am glad that, that, that the USC game happened as it did just because hopefully it'll kind of quiet some of those Freeman waters now. I will say we had an opportunity to talk to Aaron Torres that covers college football for Fox Sports, and he reiterated that same thing because, Kev, I've gone back and forth. Like for Notre Dame, the conference narrative is always going to follow them, but like with the expansion is two loss a death sentence, and, and he reiterated what you and I have talked about in the past, that it likely won't be. Now, of course, it will depend on who the two losses are. I would argue, depending on how Louisville looks the rest of the year, like that's in the moment yes, an awful loss, but like it's the same thing that Clemson fans were hoping when they lost to Duke to start the year, right? Maybe Duke will be good enough to where it's not a bad loss. Now, if you have another situation where you lose to Tulane or Marshall or something like that, it was one of your two, maybe you know, <laughs> maybe not so much luck, but if it's to a ranked team, there's at least hope, not just for Notre Dame, but a lot of college football fans where their season life extends further with the 12-team playoff. Didn't have Tulane catching strays in the yeah. afternoon. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was Toledo. Wasn't, wasn't that the close game a few years ago? The first game ever yes. on, on Peacock. Yes. Oh, yeah. Took some took some late yeah. took some late work uh, late work by the Irish to rally against mighty Toledo. That was a day. Yeah, it did. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, Jimmy, like I, I'm speaking for Maddie Bowen, my wife, more than anything. She's, and she's just like, this is what I hate about college football. Look how <laughs> mad you are after this Louisville game. Like the season's already over. And I'm like, I know next year it'll be a little different. So, yeah, I guess it's just part of, uh, part of life right now in the old college football world. Kevin, it looks like uh, Andy Sweeney and uh, Kent Sterling were correct on Boogie Fland, just committed to Kentucky. Kentucky is the official announcement. Is yep. that it? Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, I I think that's a notable. I mean, not to act like I follow recruiting very closely, but to me, guards and college basketball to make up of IU's roster that would seem to be a notable loss. Obviously, the transfer portal allows you the ability to get out of that pretty quickly compared to years past. But yeah, I would say that is a uh, that is a bummer for the Hoosiers. Just glad you and uh, Andy on the message board were correct. <laughs> Shout out to Andy Sweeney. He had that early in the week. He said that boogie plan to Big Blue Nation there. Yeah, Peaks.com was not was not happy with Andy and myself who they were calling Jim Sterling, yes. Man, I feel like we're ending on such a, a down note, KB. Do you have anything to, you know, like, uh, I feel like, like, what would be a good example? Like, um, I don't know, you're down, you just went down by it. 10 points, and then you rally with two late touchdowns. What do you think, Jimmy? I got it. Uh, what's the, has it been released yet, the Max Bowen prediction on the helmets yet? Has that happened? It has been done. It has not been released, Ooh. though. Um, what a so, tease. Yeah, I don't know if that's it. Yeah, nothing like teasing your 13-month-old kid picking a <laughs> football helmet for the side. So let's just say this. I think the home faithful will be will be pleased. Ooh, okay. There you go. Very nice, KB. Well, hey, man, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Maybe blast some Kesha while you're driving around town, you know, and uh, full-fledged ball weekend, you know, wall-to-wall, college and pro. Say no more. Kesha is all you need to get the, get, get the juices going. So you boys have a great weekend as well. <laughs> All right, thanks, KB. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Wake up call with KB and Andy here on the fan. You a Kesha fan? She's got some catchy tunes. I catchy like, tunes. I'm not. I'm not a Kesha like hater, but I don't know that I'm a 
a fan. I, th- oh, I think I know on. her You're mainstream very stuff. Very tepid. T- I don't t- buy t- any TikTok, of this. TikTok yeah. and Timber. I can't name anything else. What do you want from me? And that's a Pitbull track she's on, right? So I, That's right. Yeah. That's all I got. Pitbull making an appearance on that one. There's. Can you name another? Some other I ones. can't. That's all I have. I'm looking at it right now. Like, Die Young seems like a title. <laughs> I, I have to know that TikTok? song. TikTok? I said that already. He said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Die Young. I'm pretty sure I'm familiar with that song. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Eddie can play it for you coming out of the break. I don't know. I, it does nothing for me. Trying to hum it in my head. I can't think. I'm sure I would remember it. We'll do that after uh, after the break. He'll, he'll bring us back with some of that. By the way, while we were talking about Notre Dame, did you see this bet with a couple of Detroit Lions players? This is great. So, I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Arrangement. It was an arrangement. Sorry. That's important. That's sorry. important. No, no, no. Agreement. Agreement. You're right. That's You're right. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So Lions wide receiver Amon Ra St. Brown, who leads the league in mispronunciations. I've heard Amon Ra said 19 different ways. Have you not, Jimmy? Like everybody butchers his his name. I have heard it before, but I've always thought it was Amon Ra. Am I wrong on it that? Is. is that no? Not? You're okay. right. All right. Okay. Yeah, but I, it's. Amen Ra, it's Amon Ra. It's sneaky, like a, sneaky tough. Sneaky yeah, tough, I guess. So many different. But <laughs> anyway, Amon Ra St. Brown went to USC and he lost a bet with his teammate, Julian Okora, who went to Notre Dame. And so the bet was he had to dress up, Amon Ra had to dress up like a leprechaun, basically. And so this is what he had to say in the Lions locker room. And like you said, Jimmy, he made it very clear. This was an agreement. This is not a bet, okay? NFL, don't suspend us for four games here. Here's Amon Ra. And it was outside of the city, so I called him on FaceTime then. Um, and he said, you know, if SC wins, he has to be Tom and George. I said, ah, then he said, if Notre Dame wins, I got to be the, I don't know what this is called. I don't know what they call this. Um, whatever this means thing is. I said, sure. So, yeah, we made an agreement outside the city. Um, yeah, that's that. How do you feel like you're looking? Uh, I mean, I don't know, like, this material is trash. Like, everything about this is trash. <laughs> so he's just head to toe in green, looking like a leprechaun, says everything is trash. I hate the material. It's trash. This whole thing is trash. But very adamant that this was an agreement on FaceTime outside of the locker room. <laughs> Look, man, the NFL, we'll get back to the leprechaun thing, but the NFL is just making things way, way more hard, than, way harder than it needs to be. Because unless you're betting on the NFL, this is what I say. If I'm Goodell, if I'm the NFL, this is the new betting policy. Don't bet on anything NFL related. Everything else, knock yourself out. I don't care if it happens at the facility, if it happens at home, if you're on the sidewalk just before coming into the facility. You want to bet on a college football game or the MLB playoffs or NBA action, go right ahead. The fact that they are suspending players for four games for betting on anything non-NFL related that's at the facility, it's so stupid. It makes no sense at all. The only funny thing was like Amon Ra clearly stating we did not bet. We just had an agreement outside of the facility. Okay, like that's funny, but the serious part of this is the NFL is just making things more difficult on themselves than it, it needs to be. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's been my thought on it since they have had this crackdown and kind of the overcorrect overcorrection that has happened in terms of gambling and NFL players. Like, look. I have 
I know Eddie has as well. I have placed a bet before in my workplace. Oh, I do, I do gosh. It every day. Like, I can't like, count the you, amount you, of times. You, you, I bet what? during this that's, show. Oh, my gosh. That is some breaking news. <laughs> you're, tell, you're telling that me is, that Amon Ross St. Brown. That right there is breaking news. <laughs> you're telling me Amon Ross St. Brown can't get an over-under in an MLB playoff game after uh, practice? Like crazy. He needs to go out to his car and yeah. drive five miles south? It's so stupid. Got to protect the shield. I shouldn't mention it, but I... I bet on the Browns during the show. <laughs> I'm like walking through all this information. I'm like, oh gosh, this is a layup. Are you kidding me? By the way, you will see Matt Leinert also in the leprechaun outfit on a Fox Sports oh, on, right. on game yep. day or yep. whatever they call it. Um, yeah. Big new kickoff because him and uh, Brady Quinn had a gentleman's agreement that if uh, Notre Dame were to beat USC, he'd have to dress up as the leprechaun. And That's right. Brady Quinn would have to dress up as the Trojan if USC won. Yeah, that was the part where it's kind of hard to hear Amon Ra. It was a locker room setting, but he said if USC had won, then Julian would have had to dress up like Tommy Trojan. So it's sort of like you got to dress up like the mascot. Can we talk about how there's no way Amon Ra St. Brown doesn't know he's dressed as a leprechaun? Like it has to be just (laughs) throwing a little jab there as best he can as a USC Trojan when he goes, whatever this is, everything about this is trash. Like there's no way he does not know that, hey, what do you look like right now? I kind of look like a leprechaun. There's no way. uh, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this trash outfit is. I have no idea what this is. So he addressed the media dress like a leprechaun. And then as soon as the media session ended, He dumped the suit in the trash can. He spit on it. He posted it on his Instagram story with the caption, best part of today. (laughs) Him spitting on the leprechaun or whatever it was outfit. That's tremendous. That's fun. That's awesome. Here's my question. Honestly, would the NFL have cracked down if they made a bet in the locker room? I don't think they would have. I think this is strictly like an online, you know, fan yeah, duel, DraftKings type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that it's for that type of thing, particularly when there's not money. Because at that point, then oh, all of a sudden, playing cards on the team plane, you're taking right. that away. Like that, that's right. not happening anymore. That's a form of gambling. Like, yeah. I don't, I think this is at this point anyway, strictly just towards sports betting apps. <laughs> we would have heard by from Michael Jordan by now. <laughs> exactly. About the NFL's anti-gambling policy. Yep. This has gone too far. Yes. Come on. What are we doing here? All right. Coming up next, what did Jonathan Taylor think of the media coverage while he, he was on the PUP list? You'll find out. He'll address it. You'll hear the audio. I'm Brian, though, in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarry and Company here on The Fan. I'm Brian, though, in for... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, yeah, who doesn't know this song? Yeah, so I stand corrected that I have heard this song, but I want to clarify it. I told Eddie I was going to pay this off for him because he's the only one that got the tease. I have heard of this song, but the only reason I've heard of it is because in the last two years or so, it's been a viral TikTok trend, particularly of college kids, to have a big boombox or big Bluetooth speaker play it outside of somebody's uh, dorm, and then when it hits the part for the... They bang on the and Eddie's pregnant man. I broke the camera yeah. now, but gosh, that, dang that, it! That, that uh, that's that's what happens. That that's why I do know that song now that you say it. But uh, anyway, I aggressively hit the table and I probably took man, out my that, camera. So that was uh, old Reggie White club. I commit move right to there. the bit. Okay, I don't I don't go in one foot. It's two feet. Let's go.
Man, I'd go see a Kesha concert. I'd definitely... If there, oh, someone's sure, like, hey, you're in, she's there's, in town, you want to roll? I'd be like, sure. hell yeah. Let's, sure. Wait wait a minute. Is ball on? Ah, it's a Wednesday. <laughs> Who cares? Let, let's go. Yeah. I'd go. Would you go see Kesha? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many, are you anti-concerts, Jimmy? I, I'm, again, to clarify, I'm not anti-concerts, but me and Eddie are both in this boat. Indeed, I, we are. I would rather allocate the money to a sporting event versus a concert. If I'm having to budget my entertainment, that said, like I like concerts. They're a fun time. I just, yeah, I, I don't go to a ton. I don't get you guys. I've done some fill-in for a Milwaukee station, and there's this former uh, basketball player, Brian Butch, and he's the same way. I think he... I don't know if he's gone to one concert in his entire life. Maybe one. I don't know, but it's not higher than one if he's even there. Hey, let's hear from Jonathan Taylor here. Okay, so he was on a podcast here, the Trenches Podcast, like that, with Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed. Here's what he had to say about the media coverage while he was on the PUP list. I mean, listen, little, I don't want to say I'm fair. It's the media job to, to speculate. That's their job is to sure. speculate. Okay. Oh, I think this is what's going on. That's what's going on. But I think that's where they ran with it. Like you mm. mentioned, it's law. You want IR, you want PUP. Your job is to get healthy. So you're that's not really with the team. <laughs> so I feel like they tried to merge the business side and the actual football side together, those mm. was two totally separate things. Like, mm. you could be handling, trying to handle your business and also doing something totally different with ball. Like, mm. the whole goal was I was trying to get healthy. Hmm. Okay. Uh, one of the things I pointed out was... Uh, facts. No, he went with that's a fact. It's different. It's a little more drawn <laughs> out than facts. I'm kind of more on the facts. I like that better. Teammates there for teammates, you know? That's what they're doing. When we do our week seven NFL preview here in just a little bit, Jimmy, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping for facts from you or Eddie. Not necessarily with a prediction, but maybe there's a, I don't know, there's a stat or something like that, or there's an observation. Facts. (laughs) I I might hit you with a no doubt. Or a for sure. I might might throw that at you. You're more no doubter for sure. No, it's for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank I, you. I'm going to try out facts. I'm going to try that out. But okay. uh, listen, man, it's uh, as far as JT, what he's talking about <laughs> and the uh, the speculation and all of that. I, this is my takeaway. It's got to be so annoying to hear speculation that's incorrect. You know, and it, I, there had to be some speculation yeah. during the whole Jonathan Taylor saga that was completely wrong. And it might have made sense and it might have seemed to add up when, in fact, it didn't. And you have to be in that situation, I would imagine, just like, are you serious, right? That's not true. And you can't get on Twitter or X and just correct everybody that's speculating and coming up with something that's just wrong. But that's got to be an annoyance to deal with. But, hey, welcome to professional football. That just comes with the territory, unfortunately. I, I will say that... There's been a lot of talk in regards to Jonathan Taylor and like his relationship, not just with the media, but with the public. And like, did it take a hit or not over these last couple of months and throughout this whole process? For me, the fact that whether it's a gimmick or not, and I don't think it is, I think he's a genuine person, but 
for me, the fact that during that conversation, when that question is asked of like how the media covered him, it would be very easy to spike it in their face, to spike it in our faces and be like, oh, they didn't know anything of what they were talking about. These clowns don't know anything. I'm right. so tired of them. That's not the approach he took. He took the Jonathan Taylor approach that has kind of been his bread and butter since he's been a Colt, which is like, hey, I get it. Like, that's their job. Yeah. Their job is to speculate. They weren't always right in their speculation, but I understand that that's what they have to do. Also, by the way, you wanted to drop facts. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do so. Here we go. You get the facts ready. I'll get the facts ready. ready. Anthony Richardson, guaranteed to be a franchise quarterback. All right. Now your turn. (laughs) You didn't didn't do the facts thing. I don't understand. I thought that's what we were doing. Yeah, I was was waiting for something that's possibly factual. You know, just waiting for an opportunity right here. Do what I can. CJ Stroud is a franchise quarterback. It's a possibility. He's done so much better than I thought he was going to do. I know know we are going to go to get to the picks next segment, but honestly, is he the biggest surprise for you in terms of an individual this year? And if that's too strong, then of the rookies, it has to be, right? For me, yeah, because it just made sense. Uh, before the season where he was surrounded by a who's who supporting cast at Ohio State. And he goes to the Texans. They draft him number two overall. And then they're like, hey, we got an idea. Let's not draft a wide receiver. (laughs) Let's trade up. Let's use next year's number one pick and get a defensive guy in Will Anderson Jr. who's had a high pressure rate. Not a lot of sacks, but high pressure rate. He's played pretty well so far. And I'm just like, what are they doing? Are they drunk? Like, this is the guy that he needs his binky, and he needs his bottle, and he needs his blankie. He needs all these first-round wide receivers around him for me to feel confident that he's going to flourish. And he's got Tank Dell and Nico Collins. He's making it happen. He's played way better than I thought he would initially. Can't forget Dalton Schultz either. Well, I mean, hey, Dalton's okay. He's not upper echelon. He's all right. You want to hear a little bit more from uh, JT and some possible facts in the background? Sure. Now, uh, this, I love this. So the whole contract negotiation saying, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> I want to hear this one. I'm telling you right now, if you ask my agent, you ask my wife, I always said from the beginning, I was like, listen, I don't think, like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, nah, I, I'm not going anywhere. The like, intuition, you just knew it. I like, just yeah, knew it. And I'm like, nah, it. like, it just it was, a, ever since I got here, it was just a perfect fit, like, mm-hmm. from the scheme, the player. I mean, Quentin Nelson, yeah, Ryan yeah. Kelly, Braden yeah. Smith, Danny, yeah, like, sure. all these all these people we got. I'm like, listen, nah, like, we got dogs. It's just like, Wisconsin. it seemed like just like Wisconsin to me. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's why I meshed so well when I came in. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at yourself. D. Leonard, mm-hmm. D. Foe. You would think these is big dude, big name dudes in the league that are prima donnas. Everybody here work. Yeah. And that's how it was at Wisconsin, which is why I really loved Indy because it didn't matter what totem pole or where you was at. You came into work every and single day. And the city keep us grounded, too. Yeah, okay. I like that. At the end, a little bit different than facts, you know? city keeps us grounded. Th- th- look, this is the latest installment of player done podcast where like yes like it makes me chuckle and like we like poke fun at the facts thing but like it legitimately has the vibe i think you'd agree with this it has the vibe of if the mics weren't running that's a conversation they would just totally yeah it absolutely seemed very genuine the thing i would take away real fast from that is i totally understand why the negotiation went the way it did Mm -hmm. i just hate 
that a lot of times it's the same tired template. And sometimes the teams and ownership is to blame for that. Sometimes the players are to blame for that based on what they're asking for. It's a case-by-case deal. But it just seems like, okay, hey, I want to get paid. I should be getting paid. And for whatever reason, the team says, no, no, we're going to try to nickel and dime you a little bit. And then it becomes, well, I got a request for a trade. I got to like scrub everything on my social media. That's the next step. Right? Like It just yes. seems like this same tired template when it comes to a negotiation like this. I get it. And uh, case by case, sometimes one side is more to blame than the other. I just hate that the negotiations just seem to follow a similar tired template. I have time and time again. Two things with that. One real quick, which is that, yeah, anytime you see the running back for the Indianapolis Colt disappear from the bio, everybody loses their mind, right? right. Whether it's Instagram, right. Twitter, that oh, always happens. Oh, no, right? he's not right. following Except the Colts anymore. it was anymore. never there. To be, I appreciate that. That's important context. I was just using him as an example instead of. I know, but, I but yes, that, 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 is, that is an important part that it wasn't there for him. But the whole thing of demanding a trade, the optics of it, how does it how does it look? I appreciate from that conversation with Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed yeah. that he was open and honest about the fact I knew they weren't going to trade me, but mm-hmm. that's the way the game is. And you could ask my agent about it. Yeah. We felt like we needed to come in guns a blazing like that to try to get the negotiation ball rolling. And whether people are frustrated with how long it took, that's fine. At the end, I think both sides can kind of come away thinking we did okay in terms of how we came out from the end of the deal. It's just this long, drawn-out whole thing that's largely unnecessary. Let's speed it up, right? Let's get get it more efficient if that's possible. But it drags on like that. And think about it. Like Debo Samuel comes to mind with the Niners. He requested a trade. Right, right. He had to play that card to get what he was looking for. It happens like that a lot. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that uh, sometimes becomes annoying, not just for the player, not just for the franchise, but a lot of times for the fans or, or the media. They get involved in that as well. All right, coming up next, picks galore. NFL, week seven. Am I crazy for liking this team? I'll see if uh, Jimmy throws facts at me coming up. I'm Brian, though. In for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian, though. In for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Aquarian Company here on The Fan. You tell me if I'm crazy here, Jimmy, as we do our rapid-fire Week 7 and Beyond preview here with the NFL. I actually really like the Chargers plus five and a half. I swear this is not to troll you and your Chiefs. Like, but they just play close games. They play the Chiefs tough. I know the Chiefs have the way better defense, and this could be a horrible angle. But No, I, I don't think it's a bad angle at all. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I don't have the time to go find it. But the last four or five meetings of these teams yeah. have been one possession games. Right. Uh, the Chiefs, historically speaking, at least in the Mahomes era, like aren't great coverers. So the idea of scooping five and yeah. a half against the Chargers offense in a divisional matchup. Like, look what happened against Denver the other week. Like, I, I don't fault you at all. No, I, I think that's a good bet. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, how about this, man? This absolutely stinks out loud. It is, oof, open a window. Goodness, get some ventilation going over here. <laughs> you look at the, uh, the 49ers, their offense been really, really good. Right, We're talking about second best in terms of scoring average. They're at 30.7 points per game. Okay, They're taking on the Vikings that are not exactly crushing it defensively. The 49ers team total, just what the Niners score, 
is at 25 and a half. I thought it would be higher than that against Minnesota. I would have thought as well. Yeah, that feels like just one that they're kind of dangling out there, hoping that you take it. And like, it, it, if it if it, if it's stinky, like you said, maybe you avoid it. Maybe maybe yeah. it's too good to be true. Wow, that is crazy. I don't know what their angle is on that one, but don't be shocked if the Niners don't score twenty six or more against the Vikings. That's wild. Let's get some of your picks in here. Let's do this. The Jay Cook plays of the day. This is me. All right, I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day will take the Rangers to bounce back on the money line over the Houston Astros. Jordan Montgomery back on the mound for Texas. Also going to take the Philadelphia Phillies on the money line over the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we're going your fee both times. Over half a run in the first, over half a run in the second, or over half a run in the first, and over half a run in the first of the second game, I beg your pardon, in both of those Phillies, Diamondbacks, and Astros Rangers games. Uh, Notable bets, I have a ton of them, but I know we're up against it, so Lions money line, that's plus 120, Dolphins money line plus one fourteen. Okay. Jonathan Taylor finds the end zone this weekend, and if you're looking for another little parlay action or a a combined bet on DraftKings, Kelsey to score, Chiefs to win plus one twenty. Wow. Okay. You got anything, Eddie? I certainly do. You want an intro real fast? Duh. Stop what you're doing right freaking now. Get out a pen. Get out a boligrafo. If you're a Espanol compliant over there uh, this is eddie garrison's information that needs to be heard and put into action here he is i'm rocking a couple unders i will take the under 19 and a half for the indianapolis colts against the cleveland browns not a great matchup defensively for uh the colts in terms of their offense going up against cleveland's defense i will also take the under here uh in vegas and chicago under 37 and a half two mm. offenses that are not going to be good doesn't look like jimmy g will suit up i don't trust brian hoyer and i certainly don't trust tyson badgett either for the chicago bears and like jimmy i will also be backing the Detroit Lions on the money line. Wow. Okay. Both back in the line. 20 Lions. to 17 Browns is my prediction, by the way, on 107.5, the fan on Twitter. 2017 Browns get it done. 2017. 16 9 Cleveland. 16 to 9? Yep. <laughs> I love that prediction. I will go uh, Browns 24, Colts 13. All right. That's what I got for you. Hey, have a great weekend. JMV next. Keep it locked here on the fan.